Hey, before we get into today's episode, we wanted to tell you about a dope virtual event happening on Saturday, October 10th. Drunk Black History is an interactive comedy show where black historical figures finally get their due through drunken anecdotes from various guests. Hosted by comedians Brandon Collins and Gordon Baker Bone and featured in the New York Times, this horror-themed edition of Drunk Black History includes special prizes for audience members with the best Halloween costumes. Experience Drunk Black History via Zoom on Saturday, October 10th at 9 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. RSVP today. Tickets are $10 in advance, so get those tickets now, and $15 the day of. You can purchase them at their Linktree website. That's Linktree backslash Drunk Black History. That's Linktree, L-I-N-K-T-R dot E-E backslash Drunk Black History. We'll put the link in the show notes. Get your tickets now. This week on Tea with Queen and Jay, we're reviewing the HBO series, I May Destroy You. This is a spoiler-full episode, so if you care about spoilers, go watch the series and come back to us. Content warning, this series explores themes of rape and sexual assault, and we will be discussing those themes and, at times, our own experiences with rape and sexual assault. Our mental health counselor homie, Akua, of Inner Ho Uprising Podcast, joins us for added support, but if you feel like this episode is not for you, we get it. We start the show with our usual banter. So if you want to tap in for that and then turn it off, we get that shit too. It's Tea with Queen and Jay, people. Drink up. How are you? I'm good. How are you, Jay? How you doing? I'm doing good. Really no particular reason. I have been working nonstop all week. Mm-hmm. And so I'm like fatigued. Yeah. I've been getting sleep, so I'm not like tired. I'm just fatigued. Gotcha. So, gotcha. But I feel I'm in good spirits. I'm in good spirits. Yeah. No thanks to my therapist. Maybe thanks to her. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know if I'm actually, if I'm having therapy or if I'm having black auntie time. The goal is always black auntie therapy, but I'm not sure what's happening You're right not now. Sure so. What's happening. Hmm. That is mad interesting. I'm doing good. My week was good. I took a week off of the day job to, you know, do birthday things and shit like that. But I had a really, really cool week. We were working, but it was yeah. good. It was a cool week. I had a, had a good, good, nice, loved, loved week. Yeah. Oh, that's right. It was birthday week. Yeah, it was cool. I enjoyed it. Beautiful. Good, Beautiful. good fucking times. Welcome, Welcome to, to Tea with, with Queen and Jay. Jay. We, we are two womanist race nerds, nerds talking shit over tea, dismantling, dismantling white, white supremacist, patriarchal capitalism, one episode at a time. I'm Queen. I'm Jay. And this, this is, is Tea with, with Queen, Queen and Jay. Jay. Yes. Yes, yes. If you would like to follow the conversation being had on this here podcast, podcast, you can do so by using our hashtag, hashtag T with QJ. We love when you use it on all of the social media. You can also use the hashtag Podin that allows other people on that hashtag to learn about T with Queen and J. Follow us on all social media. We are on Instagram and Twitter at T with QJ. We are also on Tumblr and Facebook. Just search for T with Queen and J there and hit that follow button. We love when you send us T-mail. You can do that by sending us T-mail to T with Queen and J at gmail.com. You can send us questions, comments, concerns, silly things, fun things. We just love when you send us T-mail. So do that. 
That's right. Every week we pour libations for the people, places, and things that are giving us black ass, black joy. These are our shout outs. This is where we pour one out for the homies. We pour some up to the ancestors. Queen, what are you pouring libations for this week? I am pouring libations for everyone who gave me birthday love. Like I had, this was actually one of the one of the best birthdays I had in a really, really, really long time. Yes. Yes, it really, really was. So I want to say thank you to everyone who showed me birthday love on Instagram and Twitter, be it on my personal account or the Tea with Queen and Jay accounts. Got lots of love there. So thank you guys. Libations to y'all. So all my friends who came out to the roller skating party th- that day was just like the perfect, lit, chill, adult, fun day. Like I really, really enjoyed that day. That's like... I'm a quality time person, so I got to spend quality time with, like, special people. So it was really dope. So thanks for everyone who came out for that. Libations to everyone who got me something off my Target registry list. Like, I did that on a whim. And I was only, like, really sharing it on my personal Instagram just to see what happens. Like, I didn't expect anyone to buy me anything. But, like, y'all damn near sold out the whole list, which is fucking lit. It was nice to have packages coming and coming. And I wouldn't look at who purchased it until I got the gift. I did that on purpose. So it was, like... Just birthday surprises all throughout the week. So that was fucking lit. So thanks for that. Special libations to both of my older sisters. So my sister Amina, she lives in Atlanta and she does like a lot of she likes to bejewel shit. Mm-hmm. She will bejewel your dog, Janicia. Like she <laughs> <laughs> She does be bejeweling shit. So my sister my other older sister Rashida brought me roller skates, sent them from Pennsylvania, sent them down to Atlanta for my sister Amina to bejewel them. And then they oh, that's them adorable. To me. So it's just really that's cute adorable. that they like came together to like give me this, you know, yeah. roller skating birthday gift. So libations to y'all. And my boo took me out to, you know, birthday dinner and it was just cute. And um, yeah, it was just cute. It was just a really nice birthday. So libations to everyone who had a part in that, everyone who celebrated with me. And yeah, it was like, so who are you pouring libations for, Jay? Um, I have two libations. The first one is actually a really somber libation. So just content warning for, for death. For passing away mm-hmm. a fellow podcaster of color who passed away last month unexpectedly dana gooden of unravel podcast recently passed away so we mm-hmm. wanted to send love to the other hosts of that show jazz and joy as they navigate this period of grief and transition also wanted to send love to everybody who knew dana and her family dana was a proud member of the comanche nation um so i'll put the link to her obituary in the show notes in case anybody wants to send flowers it's like a tab you can send flowers there's also two links if you want to send donations in dana's memory donations can be sent to the american indian law center inc or the american indian education fund so those links are also in the link of the obituary so you can check those out and once again love and libations to unravel podcast and to everybody who knew and loved dana yeah love and libations to them Okay. Um, And then my second libation is to the Patti LaBelle and Gladys Knight versus battle Mm -hmm. that took place on Instagram Live, Apple Music. And I don't know if they put it on Facebook yet or not. I don't know how that works. Yeah, I don't know how that works either. I know it's on Apple Music now. It was my favorite battle so far. Really? Really? It was my favorite. So that's why I'm just Yeah, it was my favorite. I feel like every battle has its own thing about it that you could enjoy. Mm Mm-hmm. 
I personally was getting my life to this like virtual black auntie hug. That's how I felt. I felt like a warm ass virtual black auntie hug. Okay. Yeah, you could tell both of them are actually friends or mm-hmm. like care about each other. Yeah. They know each other's people. They know mm-hmm. each other's lives. And it was just really loving and cute. And they were saying auntie stuff. And they were like, <laughs> it was just so fucking adorable. It reminded me of like sitting in the kitchen while grown folks were, we're talking, talking, quietly observing, which is mm-hmm. what I was usually doing until somebody. <laughs> So told you? me to get out of here. Yeah, <laughs> somebody finally saw me. <laughs> it felt like that. It just felt really, um, it just felt really comfortable. And uh-huh. they actually sang, which I thought was a treat. Like mm-hmm. I don't feel like any artist owes that to anybody to sing. Like that's really not necessarily what verses Versus is. Four, yeah, but the added treat. Of these two legends singing their songs and their voices being like fucking impeccable Amazing. and shit. Patty LaBelle kicked off her shoes like she does <laughs> in concert. And I was like, this is too much. It's that too much. That's so good. Yeah, I really enjoyed it. I really enjoyed it. Um, so I wanted to pour libations for that. If you want to catch it, if you missed it, if you were curious, it I think they put them on YouTube. So you could probably check it out on YouTube. Yeah, probably. Um yeah, and of course there are lulls. There's always lulls in auntie talk where you'd be like, what are you talking, talking about? about? <laughs> Do you know that people are watching this? Like, what? What's happening right now? And who are you and talking about? And who are you about? talking about? Who and who are you talking, talking to? Okay. <laughs> Dion Warwick showed up. It was just Auntie Palooza, and I loved it. I, I ordered myself it. some soul food. It was perfect. Oh, you did? Oh, it was an experience. Yeah. Okay. It was a whole experience. So I had a good time. I had a good time. So libations to the aunties, libations to Patty LaBelle and Gladys Knight, mm-hmm. libations to Dionne Warwick. Oh, Dionne Warwick was there. She showed up. Okay. It was a surprise. They started playing her song and I was like, wait, are they confused? Is production <laughs> messing up again? And then she finally crept onto the stage. I say oh crept gosh. because it was like a creep. <laughs> okay. <laughs> it was kind of a creep. <laughs> and um, yeah, she sang her song. And then at the end, she was like, so what are we going to do now? Can I put my jeans on Can- and go sit down? Can I- <laughs> like she actually said that. That wasn't like a oh, for state real? of mind. That wasn't a She you. said that. that was- <laughs> no, she said that out her mouth. <laughs> It was great. I thought that was you putting your stank on. No, she said that out her actual mouth because the aunties understand the internet different than we do. And she did not fathom that it's almost 600,000 people watching you say, Can I go put my jeans on now? Like, (laughs) it was hilarious. Because those people aren't actually there, so they're not here. So, can I go put my jeans on now? Oh, that's so cute. It It was beautiful. I loved it. So, libations to the aunties. That sounds like a good fucking time. It was. It was. It was fucking dope. This is the part of the show where we let you know how you can support Tea with Queen and Jay podcast. But before we do that, we want to make sure we highlight the fact that there are still people in the streets protesting in the name of equal personhood for black folks, in the name of our lives, in the name of equity. Um, So be sure that you are still supporting folks out here in the streets, risking their lives for freedom. You might not see it on your timeline, but shit is still going down. So in our show notes, we have a link to an article that has a list of bailout funds, petitions, Mm -hmm. organizations that you can get involved with for every state. So you can see what's going on in your state and how you can contribute. So once you've done that, yes, then you can support TV Queen J podcast. Queen, how can they do that? 
So like Jay said, this podcast runs on our listener support. So there are two ways that you can donate to Tea with Queen and Jay. You can go to our website, teawithqueenandjay.com, slide down on our homepage, and there's where we have two options. Two. Our first option is our PayPal option, and that's where you can put however much you want in a pot, however many times you want. That's up to you. No commitment there. And our second option is our Patreon option, and that is where we're asking for $2 a month. $2. You can give more or less. That's up to you. We like to give options, but we're only asking for $2 a month. Um, A little bit more commitment, but that is our Patreon. We also appreciate non-monetary support. Non-monetary ways that you can support us are liking this podcast, sharing this podcast on social media, telling a friend about this podcast, rating and reviewing us on Apple Podcasts or wherever other app that you listen to us on all of those things are appreciated and all of those things help tea with queen and jay grow that's right if you would like to sponsor tea with queen and jay podcast if you'd like to advertise with us if you'd like to hear your ad on tea with queen and jay email us at tea with queen and jay at gmail.com if you'd like to hire us to speak at your school or organization about white supremacist patriarchal capitalism dismantling white supremacy in the workplace womanism black feminism black hair or some shit you've heard us discuss on the podcast mm-hmm. or if you'd like us to do a virtual live show or consult you or your team, send us your team mail at teawithqueenandj at gmail.com. So we got a few donation libations. Yes, donation libations. We got a donation via PayPal from Victoria. Thank you, Victoria. And then we also got lots of new patrons. We have Caitlin, Alexandria, Chenwei, Yanitza, Danine, James, Vivian, Anna, Teresa, Allison, Crystal, Kaylee, Aish, and Kalis. We also got two people who upped their pledge, and that was Stephanie and Ashley. Thank you, everyone who donated, became a patron, and all of that good shit. That's right. That's right. We're also doing special episodes on our Patreon. So this week's Patreon episode, we're going to be discussing politician Andrew Gillum yes. and the discussions surrounding his bisexuality and a bunch of other, other. shit. So yep. be on the lookout for that. If you are a patron, you will get an email once that episode is posted. We also have two other Patreon only episodes up there. If you have not already listened, be sure to check out that shit. Yep. 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 All right. Are you ready to get into the motherfucking show? Yes. Let's get into the motherfucking show. There ain't no place like There's no place like home. I mean, no place, child. Yeah, what kind of tea are you drinking today? I am drinking. No, you know what? Actually, I'm drinking juice. But <laughs> earlier today, uh-huh. I had black tea, like a lemon black tea, and I had a leftover bag of teas by G's CBD PMS tea. Ah, okay. So I put that in there just for good measure. You yeah, know what I'm saying? Those are helpful. And it was it was delicioso. What kind of tea are you drinking? I'm actually drinking a teas by G blend. I'm drinking Ooh. the chai and THC blend because I just feel like it. I got lots of teas for them for my birthday as well. Thank you, Libations, to you. Teas by G, we love their tea blends. So visit teasbyg.com and, you know, get some of your dope-ass tea blends as well. That's right. Queen, what are your pronouns? She, her. What are your pronouns, Jay? She, her, they, them. And separate from my pronouns, I am not a lady. Queen, what are you affirming for yourself this week? 
I am affirming that I'm a bad bitch. I affirm that I am enough. I affirm that I will be self-employed and financially wealthy without trauma. I also affirm that I am well-rested. My hair and fashions are popping. Popping. My body and mind are healthy. Healthy. And that I will forever and always stunt on these hoes. I got a lot of stunt on the hoes birthday love too. I appreciated that. I will say yes only to activities that are healthy for my mind body and emotional well-being i will courageously protect my happiness i also affirm a continued and safe reopening of new york city and also other cities dealing with the current pandemic because we are still in a pandemic y'all we're still in a pandemic and i also still want to affirm going to keep affirming throughout the year for the rest of the year that you will still have a fruitful and abundant 2020 you will still have a bundles that will still be extended that will still happen even amongst everything else that is happening in the 2020 facts jay what are you affirming today I am affirming a life full of abundance, health, wealth, sustainable, rewarding, and financially beneficial Mm self-employment. I affirm that I am enough. I affirm that my apartment is paid for. My rent is paid. I am productive. Opportunities are fruitful and bountiful without trauma. I affirm being able to organize my schedule and my day and get things done free from fear of not doing enough or fear of disappointing anyone. Mm -hmm. I affirm productive therapy, like I said. I don't know if I'm having it or not. So I affirmed that shit. Oh, gosh. And um, I actually uh-huh. was listening to Queer Walk podcast uh-huh. and Dr. Money. Money. Yes. Money is a doctor now. Dr. Money was talking about how to know if you're getting and giving what you need to in therapy. Mm-hmm. So are you getting what you need to get out of it? Are you doing what you're supposed to be doing to like help you like get what you need out of it and yeah. all that good shit? And... I'm still listening. I'm still listening. I don't know. I've had to play it a few times. Like, I don't really know yet. The other thing that maybe holds me back from dropping my current therapist is that we are having good conversations, but I don't know if this is this therapy or are we just having homegirl time? You're paying her for that. You're paying her. I know. That's why I don't know. I don't, I'm, I'm just really not sure. And I also, part of it is Mm -hmm. like, I really don't like the process of looking for a therapist. Yes. I don't. I can, yeah, so it's like yeah. well, there once if I break up with this therapist, I'm going to have to get into the work of finding yeah, a new one, one and then going through that period of like getting to know each other all over again. So I don't know. I just kind of maybe want to I might want to take a more proactive approach to the therapy I'm currently having yes. and like, you know, be a little bit more demanding with like what I need or whatever, yeah. Yeah, which means maybe. I have to think about what I need. Cause I really just, I'm just there. So I don't get fined. So I haven't really been thinking about like <laughs> what I need, but anyway, uh-huh. so I affirm clarity in that area uh-huh. and I affirm liberation and power to all people. And those are my affirmations. Okay. I love those. I love those. Yes. Okay, so this week, yes, you this all should have heard, yes, y'all should have heard a content warning at the beginning of this episode, but if you're fancy and you're special and you think that you wanted to skip ahead and not listen to stuff, <laughs> we wanted to give another content warning, we will be talking about the TV series, I May Destroy You. The mm-hmm. series deals with themes of rape, themes of sexual assault, and we will in this conversation today, we will be talking about the themes that we saw on that show. We may discuss real life actual shit. So we want to just give a warning for that. This is kind of going to be an open dialogue. So if you 
have not watched the series, we will be spoiling it. So yes. if you're cool with the spoilers, that's cool. If you haven't watched the show, but you still want to follow along with us, you will be able to follow along with the themes that we're discussing today. So you don't have to have watched the show to enjoy this episode of the yeah. podcast. If you do want to watch the show spoiler free, stop this, go watch it. All 12 episodes are on HBO streaming platform. So you can check that out and then come back to us. So that is your content warning. We're about to get into the shits. Mm-hmm. So because we are talking about all this hot button shit, we are experts in the shit that we know about and the shit that we're experts about. But as we were talking about this yeah. series and our personal experiences privately, we knew that this topic was too sensitive, I think, for us to talk about by ourselves. And so we invited the homie Akua of Inner Whole Uprising podcast to join us. Hey, Akua. Hey. Hey. Thanks hey, for joining girl. us. <laughs> Thanks for having so, me. Yes, of course. So let me just give a quick rundown. I May Destroy You is a British comedy drama series written, created, produced, and co-directed by Michaela Cole. If you're not familiar with Michaela Cole, I think she's most popular in the U.S. for her breakout series, Chewing Gum, which is funny as hell. Akua, did you watch Chewing Gum? Sure did. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> I love that hilarious. shit. Fucking hilarious. hilarious. The plot and summary real quick of I May Destroy You. And I pulled this from Wikipedia. Why rewrite something that is already fucking written, right? So the plot of I May Destroy You. Arabella is the main character played by Michaela Cole, is a Twitter star turned novelist who found fame with her debut book, Chronicles of a Fed Up Millennial, and is publicly celebrated as a millennial icon. While struggling to meet a deadline for her second book, she takes a break from work to meet up with friends on a night out in London. The following morning, she struggles to remember what happened to her but recalls the events of the night with the help of her friends terry played by waruche opia and kwame played by papa esiadu hopefully i said that correctly forgive me please if i did not yeah so we both really enjoyed the series we liked how they discussed themes of consent and again we needed to get a clinical homie up in here to help yeah. us navigate this conversation so akua is one fourth of inner whole uprising podcast and a mental health counselor with an interest in the intersections of race culture gender sexuality and mental health a single mother and self-proclaimed foodie she enjoys intellectually stimulating conversation well-executed corny pickup lines and all things <laughs> black girl magic akua welcome again welcome yo thank you show. so much thank this you your first time on tv queen uh, yes right? oh, everyone's gonna listen to this i'm gonna have my mama listen to this don't worry <laughs> <laughs> oh that's fucking lit so, so i figured we could just start the conversation by what did y'all like in the series like what stood out to you what spoke to you what was the shit for you while watching i may destroy you Akua, we're going to let you start since you're a guest. Okay. <laughs> um, I really enjoy watching Black Diasporical. That's the word I'm going to use. Okay. Um, media. I don't watch a lot of media mm-hmm. because it requires attention that I don't have. So <laughs> um, I really, really enjoyed watching it and kind of viewing it from an outsider. I think it's one of the things that I was able to view as an outsider um, and kind of see African and Afro-Caribbean people in the UK and how uh-huh. that played out. I enjoyed, I really enjoyed how they portrayed and represented sexual assault. It was, and I think I heard one of you guys say it, maybe it was you, Queen. Um, mm-hmm. Kind of, it was one of the first times where assault and rape wasn't this, 
humdrum. Here comes the slow music, the darkening of the scene, this yeah. highly anticipated, you know, event. It was like, all right, here it is happening, much like it is in real life. And I feel like yeah. that caught me off guard because I've been conditioned to wait for that sinister music, you know, mm-hmm. and all of these cues. And it was like, oh, there you go. Mm-hmm. Just, just, <laughs> yeah. just as it would have like on the street in front of you, like just as it happens day to day. Yeah. So that was refreshing. I also kind of enjoyed. I think I watched it from a very clinical space as well, um, mm-hmm. and how and watching the aftermath of trauma and people coping and what that looks like, mm-hmm. um, as well as that was kind of interwoven into this story of how not is she going to cope, but also how is she going to move forward? And that was also kind of paralleled in her work and like her career aspirations. You see this kind of stalling that is also happening personally for her and mentally for her, but also vocationally. And I, I loved watching that that play out together. Yeah. I know mm-hmm. for me, I really enjoyed seeing black girls be party girls and these like fun ways usually when like black people on screen engage with drugs it's like they're an addict they're downtrodden the drugs take over their life this this lifestyle ruins them and all of that stuff so it was nice to kind of just see black girls like be party girls in these ways that didn't affect their lives in ways that we generally see on tv and movies and stuff like that you know so i like to see the the fun I guess, drug use or the the fun kind of carelessness of just leaving parties to be with guys and all of that shit like that. Usually on screen when we see stuff like that with black girls, it is like to their detriment. It's not like mm-hmm. just something that's just happening in their life or something that's just a part of their everyday in that way. So I really, really enjoyed that. And then jumping off of what you said, Akua, I do like that they made... A lot of the sexual assaults very like casually entered into the story because I think it's important for people to understand that it isn't like dun 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 then <laughs> like And now so, I'm going to assault you. Yeah, like yeah. or assaults or you know, whatever. Mm-hmm. So that that's what stood out for me the most, because it would be like that. And then next scene is like someone drinking coffee. Uh-huh. <laughs> you know, like that seeing that I've never seen that before. And media played in that way, written in that way. And not carelessly, you know? Not just someone drinking coffee, but the victim drinking coffee yes. like this. Just yes. movement mm-hmm. of life. They're not stuck mm-hmm. or stalled. It's like life does happen. Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. So that's one of the things that I really enjoyed and that stood out for me. And then I just really like how they inserted so much nuance into the whole conversation of rape culture, of being a survivor, of being a perpetrator. Of It was just... I'm like, shit, this show should have been called Nuance, bitch. Like, cause it was just, <laughs> it was just really, it was just, it was just like, wow. Like, this is, this is what life looks like. And it was nice to see it portrayed that way in these stories. What you like, Jay? I like that also. I like that concept of like life keeps moving kind of mm-hmm. thing. And I know that different people respond to different types of rape and sexual assault differently, right? But I mm-hmm. appreciated that in this depiction, because we never see this really on television. Yeah. In this depiction, it wasn't about how she stayed in her room for days on end. Yes. You know what I'm saying? Because mm-hmm. we all cope with stuff very differently. I, I know. 
for me, one of my coping mechanisms is distraction. So I am out doing stuff. I am, you know what I'm saying? Staying busy and laughing and, you know, doing all those things. And so it was nice to see a black girl on TV being this different kind of black girl. And, Mm -hmm. And I say different kind, like different kind from what we've seen in the media but we all know black girls like arabella we yep. know, all know black girls like terry and it just was very regular very basic but not in the not in the like basic ass term of the way to say basic yeah. but just i really appreciated that i appreciated all the nuance of consent and sexual assault that was discussed yeah. um I am so basic that I did not, in the bad sense, that I did not realize that every episode was going to be uh, or highlight some form of rape or sexual Same, assault until like so episode either. five. I was like, wait, we've been doing this every episode? Yeah. Like, no, Same. seriously. <laughs> seriously. Yeah. And, and that's partially attributed to like excellent writing because it was there. I was watching the things. Yeah. I was learning the things. Mm-hmm. I was being entertained by the things. And it didn't really set in that that was what was happening until, yeah, like I'm mid halfway through the season now. So I really appreciated (laughs) the way that she craftfully like highlighted those things. Something else I wanted to say, which I I didn't learn until I was kind of listening to interviews with her and studying like what they did, but like they had counselors on set. Oh, that's Yeah, there were scenes. So there are a few sexual assaults that take place on the show and there were like for some of those scenes months in advance of training of like how to reenact these stories with care you know what i'm saying with mm-hmm. without causing like harm and further trauma and shit like that so i really felt that level of care in the show and so it was cool to know that there was a lot of thought placed into yeah, the way that they put the shit together and i didn't feel as i was watching the show that was so heavily about rape and sexual assault. I didn't feel like they were trying to shock me into learning or knowing how serious this is. Like, this is real, you guys. This is real. <laughs> Sometimes you watch something and it's like every five minutes they want you to know this is real. It's like in the camera. This is real. This is real life. I'm like, yo. Really? You just, right. You could just portray real life. Like, you know what I'm saying? It's like. That real life is real hard. Like, that's just what it is. But it you don't is. have to, like, do anything extra. So I liked that it was, um, like, everyday, real life, still traumatic shit, but it wasn't trying to shock me into, like, understanding how serious it was. Word. Is there anything that we didn't like? Akua, you could go first. I don't think I've thought that through. I'll let y'all go as I think about it. Okay. 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 I I have some things. (laughs) So one of mine is really light, um, but the hair was getting on my nerves throughout the the show. (laughs) Okay. So I'm not, I'm not a person who says you have to have a perfect weave or a perfect whatever. I myself, Jay, you know me, I have not had perfect weaves or whatever like that. Same here. So I'm not saying that the hair had to be perfect, but a lot of the wigs just look like they were like, put on their head and then the person ran away like they didn't like yeah it was like they dropped it on their head and it was like done i don't know it was Mm -hmm. just like interesting i did think it was funny there was one scene where arabella was we were supposed to think that she took off her wig and she had cornrows um 
That was awkward. I'm so glad you remembered that. I had totally forgot. I and she had, totally had forgot. she had cornrows. And what what the episode is supposed to be is that like she's like now shaving her head, starting a new type of thing. Mm-hmm. Dope. But she took off the wig that she was that we've known her with so far in the series, and we see these cornrows under her head, which is another lace front bad cornrow wig. And I'm like, that what? was mad awkward. What is this? I was like, that was awkward. We're in a Tyler Perry. <laughs> it's happening awkward. here. That was awkward. So that was kind of awkward. I was like, maybe mm-hmm. this is a joke. Maybe this is like a black girl joke. She I knows. felt like it was an inside joke for us. That's yeah, I was I like, felt. she knows the black girls are going to be like, yeah, <laughs> you know, we're all going to laugh at this. Like, I'm not. I am. I don't think that I'm so special that Michaela Cole didn't know we was all laughing together about this awkward exactly. ass braided. Yeah, like I'm. Yeah. I'm sure. I'm sure of mm-hmm. it. So that was mm-hmm. something that I would be like, oh gosh, but nothing big or whatever. Right. Another thing that I won't know if I don't like it, but it made me uncomfortable was the final episode where okay. she sees her first abuser, the person who. Um, drugged her and raped her and she's having like there's like a dream sequence but she keeps dreaming about these ways of when she i guess avenges or has revenge with this person and i just i didn't want to keep seeing this person's face like i'm a person who has i have experienced sexual violence sexual assault and stuff like that and my mode of coping is to forget this person exists so seeing him keep looping into that episode i didn't have issues with how she was going about her revenge because I understood that and I knew they were dreams. So I wasn't like mm-hmm. affected of, of those things in that way. Because some people, there was some chatter about people being upset about how she was handling some of the revenge. But that wasn't my mm-hmm. issue. I just didn't want to see that motherfucker again. Like right. having to keep seeing him made me think about like my past abusers. And mm-hmm. what, like I'm like, it, made, it just brought that back for me because I'm a person mm-hmm. who was just like, Forget you don't exist. You fell off the face of the earth. That is one of my coping mechanisms. So it was just like, I want to see this motherfucker face. But that was kind of like the only thing that was just like, why you do that? Why you do that, Michaela? Mm -hmm. But that was like the only thing. Yeah. No, I feel you. I don't really have anything that I didn't like. I actually love that kind of like, we just plopped a wig on the head kind of. (laughs) (laughs) Because that's, that's sometimes that's my life. Sometimes that's my, you know what? I'm just No, Jay, you be doing stuff to your hair. You've never just popped your wig on your head. It don't even look like a person dropped it. It looked like uh, like it was on a crane and they just let it go. (laughs) It was on a crane and and she was just like trying to catch it. Yes. That's funny. Um, I definitely felt that way about the pink wig, about Arabella's pink wig, and about Terry's Mm -hmm. hair. And I was just like, I don't, I'm going to leave this alone. (laughs) Let it go. But I don't. I don't like her hair. I didn't. <laughs> yeah. I didn't make. It, I didn't really flesh it out. It's just like I see it. I'm gonna let it go. Yeah, I had a moment or two. Yeah. I had a moment or two like that with Terry's hair. But I try to be forgiving. I try to be forgiving with the wig situation. But also something, and this is not necessarily about the show per se. But something that has been rubbing me funny is listening to everybody's critiques of the show because it is a show about a very sensitive topic. It is yes. a show about rape and sexual assault, and so kind of. Sometimes listening to the way that other people um, interpret the show or navigate the show has been irritating, I will say. Yeah, I could agree with that. I have found more challenges in hearing other people talk about 
their interpretations and, and been, I guess, been more triggered by those conversations than I mm-hmm. was by the actual, the actual show yep. show itself. Yeah. So that's been challenging. But I really, I really think the show was fantastic. I think that we should take a break. Mm-hmm. And okay. when we come back, we're going to break the show up into a few themes and get into more of what we thought about I May Destroy You. Money, 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 money. <laughs> money. Hey, do you know what this year is? What every year is all about? Yeah, but like giving black women year. your money. Yes, give okay. black women your money. Hashtag pay black women, okay, yo. Okay, okay. So, so how do they give black women their money? Well, they can start by giving us their money. Oh yes, yes. We do this dope ass women is race nerd podcast every motherfucking every week. week. Sometimes and, twice um, a week. Yeah, yo. <laughs> and we could use your loving motherfucking donations. Um, we definitely can. Absolutely. So how can you do that? You can go to our website. Yo. TeamWithQueenAndJay.com. Hit that donate tab. Mm-hmm. And we have two options there. So you two! Can, two! You become a patron or you can just donate through PayPal. Yo. You choose. We mm-hmm. give you a choice. That's right. On how you give us money. That's right. If you want to donate via Patreon, we're asking all of our listeners to break us off $2 a month. That's $24 a year. And if everybody who listens does that shit, we will have everything that we need to do everything we want to do for this podcast. Everything. And if you love us so much that you want to break us off a one-time donation, a multiple-time donation, or if you don't like the the once-a-month kind of system, you can go to our PayPal and give us any amount of money. We will take that shit. We will love that shit. We will appreciate that we shit. We will use that shit. That's right. So once again, TeaWithQueenAndJay.com. Hit the donate tab and choose your donation method of choice. Oh my God, we're going to get money. Again! <laughs> All the time. Yes. And we're black. All the motherfucking time. That's right. Queen, what have you been doing to self-care up yourself during quarantino? Well, you know me. I'm all into the hydration and the moisturization and shit like that. So that's what a lot of what I've been doing during the quarantine for my self-care. Okay, Moisture. Well, Love Lavender Shea Organics was originally developed to foster the needs of travelers who love organic and natural products. Items at lovelavendershade.com are sized for people on the go, but a lot of us are not going nowhere. So I like that they are smaller products so they're not cluttering up my bathroom. Through research, Love Lavender Shea Organics was created as an all-encompassing natural skincare company to enhance your skin without harsh chemicals and greasy buildup while cultivating self-love and sustainability in all of their products. LoveLavenderShade.com incorporates a few of their key ingredients to achieve perfectly healthy skin. These ingredients are shea butter, vitamin E oils, essential oils, and a lot of love. They call this their custom blend. Love Lavender Shea products are formulated to reduce inflammation, hydrate skin, rejuvenate damaged skin, and aid in combating fine lines and age spots. Yes, my favorite product right now is the Island Dream Whipped Butter. It melts mm-hmm. on my bod, which I fucking love. But <laughs> it also yaddy. has a really <laughs> my bod. It also has a really nice golden shimmer to it. It makes me feel mad sexy. I like that. <laughs> Incorporating love into everything they do at lovelavendershade.com. 10% of each purchase goes towards charitable contributions and their scholarship that helps graduating high school and college seniors. This month's charitable contributions will go towards Girls Going Global, Empowering Girls to Be Global Citizens. 
Love Lavender Shea is a plant-based company striving to help you achieve your skin's natural glow. And all products are packaged in sustainable TSA-approved containers with personalized travel reminders like on vacation, for the workaholic and you, and don't forget your sunscreen. The one I have, it says, don't forget your deodorant. That's one of them that oh, I have. Oh, that's cute. That. And I'm one of, the, one of those bitches who sometimes be forgetting, so tellful. That I, that's funny that. that's cute for tea with queen and jay listeners when you visit lovelavendershade.com now through october 19th you'll receive 10 percent off of your purchase using code t that's code t-e-a at lovelavendershade.com all right so let's talk a little bit about consent so this yeah. show was all about consent different forms of consent it was all kind of shit going on queen where are you taking us with this? So one of the things I've enjoyed about the show is how they played with consent. I and mean, when I say play with consent, I guess just showing many different ways that people don't actually even understand consent or if they yeah. do understand how they violate consent. I do remember one particular scene where she consented to sex, but the man she was having sex with took off the condom. Mm-hmm. And I remember having a conversation with one of my homegirls and she's like, I didn't even think about that as like a sexual assault. Like when she saw it play out, it was like, oh shit, of course it is. Like, of course this yeah. is like this thing. But I think because she had never been told or, you know, like whatever, she just had never put those things together because, mm-hmm. you know, rape is generally or sexual assault is generally like these these very like distinct things with no fuzzy um lines or whatever so i did i guess i liked seeing that it was teaching people about consent or teaching Mm -hmm. people that hey just because i consented to the sex doesn't mean i consented to this other thing because i remember being younger and thinking that since i consented to sex i may have consented to all of these things Mm -hmm. and that's not the case so i do i did like that people were learning that i was learning that it was revealing my fuzzy thoughts and ideas right. about consent and shit too. Like I, I really, really like that. I feel like society tells us that if you consent to sex, anything can happen to you. Mm-hmm. Yes. If you're a woman, right? Mm-hmm. If you say yes to sex, then whatever. And, and I'm specifically talking about in uh, cis relationships with men and women, right? In this, in yeah. this, mm-hmm. in terms of the system, right? Yes. I think the system says. If you agree to sex with a cis hetero man, whatever he wants to do is fine because you said you would have sex with him and his pleasure is paramount. His Mm -hmm. understanding of sex is the understanding of sex that matters in that situation. And so that's it. And the system relies on us not challenging those things. The system relies on this understanding that yeah whatever he said was cool so that we don't challenge any of that shit and Mm -hmm. that whatever whatever these men want to do is fine and we'll talk about more about that when it comes to accountability and shit like that but it's like a lot of these things that cishet men have been doing and getting away with they know that they are wrong right forever they've known that they were wrong they know that this you know deception is wrong We're all taught deception is wrong, right? It's like, it's been okay, though, as long as you're deceiving a woman Mm -hmm. and as long as you're deceiving her in these certain instances where it's okay for you to be abusive, it's okay for you to be deceptive, then it's okay, 
But you know you're doing something wrong. So yes. I think there's been this argument that, oh, well, they didn't know, whatever. No, they knew they were doing something wrong. They didn't know that maybe now we all are talking about how this particular act has a name and it's fucking whack mm-hmm. and we're not doing that shit anymore, whatever. But that, it did it did make me think of like the dynamics of that. I definitely agree with that, Jay. I think that we are taught, we're conditioned that sex is supposed to be passive for women. So sex happens to yeah. us. We are not a part of sex. Our pleasure does not matter in sex. Um, mm-hmm. So once you've consented, you and even, even what is consent in that moment is also foggy because there's a lot of thought, well, you went to his house, so what did you think was going to happen? Yeah, yeah, like, exactly. I didn't. I came to sit like I came to sit down. I didn't come for this, you know. So like, yeah. even that, it's like if you if you allow yourself in a certain situation, you consented, and that means he can do whatever he wants. Um, and that there is deception in men, and a lot of cis men are taught that deception is some kind of game. It's how you mm-hmm. attract and win over women. It's all yeah. through deceptions, it's lies and smooth talking and things yep. like that. And it's how you get to it's how they get to their pleasure how they're they're taught to get to their pleasure Mm. um and all of that combines and encompasses what stealthing is because you know you're not supposed to take off that condom especially if there are instances where the person Mm. really and outwardly consented only to protected sex so like if you tried Mm. at first and they're like no go get a condom and then Mm -hmm. you stealth and take it off afterwards you definitely knew Mm -hmm. yeah that they didn't consent to this Mm -hmm. right yeah, that's super fucking whack. The other thing that I thought was interesting in this story, the first episode opens with this couple who we don't see later on, but one of her friends, the friend that she goes out with that night, is either married or in a partnership or whatever. And yeah. him and his partner are going to meet a unicorn per se, right? So they're mm-hmm. looking for a third. And it looks like they've both consented to this. It also seems like, what were their names? Kat and Simon, I think his name, I want to say his name was... I don't remember. Simon. No, his name is Simon, yeah. yes. His name his is name Simon. Simon, right, okay. So Kat and Simon have decided that they're looking for a third, uh, a woman to join their relationship or a woman to have sex with together. Mm-hmm. But in the initial conversation... It seems that Kat is comfortable with Simon being on the apps, comfortable. She's like, I just want you to be free. I just want you to do what you want to do. Don't feel inhibited. Da, 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 da. So Kat is comfortable with him dating, right? It seems as if to me, I got the impression that Kat was comfortable with him dating. However, he still thought it important to be seeing this woman on the side, right? The yeah. unicorn that they meet on their date is actually a woman that he's dating. It's his yeah. side chick. It's his mm-hmm. side girlfriend, which I don't believe in the side chick concept yeah, or whatever. But it is the woman that, that he is seeing on the side. Yes. He still felt the need to deceive her, right? Yeah. It seemed like he was getting more pleasure out of having this secret relationship mm-hmm. yeah. than openly dating whoever it was okay for him to date, right? So there's this thing of like consent and... His partner, Kat, agreed to, we're finding a third together. Kat agreed to him being on an app and dating. Kat did not agree to meet the woman that you were already dating in this situation where she thought that she was meeting a, you know, a stranger to both of you. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? Exactly. As somebody who tries to and is exploring ethical non-monogamy, it feels like, like a lot of cis straight men cannot, or a lot of cis men who date women cannot wrap their head around that level of like openness and honesty. I agree. And it's like, it's like you think the point of cheating 
is because you want to date other people, right? But then once it's like, okay, cool, you can date other people. It's like, oh, no, no, no. I want to lie. <laughs> oh, I want to be a liar. I want to be a liar. Yeah. I want to cheat. I don't care what we agreed to. I want to do something else. I can like, I sneak? I want to sneak and do something. Yeah. That's, that is weird. That is strange. Yeah. That is so strange. I thought that that was interesting that the episode kind of opens on this thing that just seems like a simple deception, but he really does rob Kat of her consent because yeah. at the end of the night, even though I don't think it was ever Simon's intention for them to end up in a threesome, right? But if they did engage in a threesome, that's not what she consented to. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? She consented to both of them meeting a new person, not meeting somebody who he was already that's like already messing around mm-hmm. with. So. I that's that why they're not allowed to find a woman. I am. <laughs> <laughs> that is probably best. That's probably best. Let's talk about friendship. Yeah. Well, actually, before yeah. we get into that, um, mm-hmm. one thing about consent that this really, you know, brought to light was that point in that party for Terry's birthday, I believe, where yes. Arabella locked Kwame in the room. With the yes. man that she presumed he would find attractive. Right. Um, and it wasn't until I saw that where I was like, yo, that's fucked up. Wild <laughs> yeah. fucked because, up. Yeah. yeah. Let me just set the scene real mm-hmm. quick. So it's Arabella's, is Arabella's birthday party or Terry's? Terry's. Party? All right. So mm-hmm. it's Terry's birthday. They're at the apartment. It's a lot of people there. Kwame is one of the friends. So Arabella, Terry, and Kwame are very good friends. Mm-hmm. And... Kwame has also recently experienced a sexual assault on a date. And there is another attractive queer dude at the party. And it it seems like he's giving Kwame the vibes. But, you know, we don't know where Mm -hmm. Kwame is at in his whole dating situation or whatever. And Arabella decides Kwame's in the room taking a breather. The guy Mm -hmm. goes in the room. The door is is the door open? Was the door closed? Or Kwame was in the room. The other gentleman asked to use the restroom, and Arabella purposely sent him in that direction, knowing that that ain't yes. her bathroom. Thanks for that clarification. And then yes. when he went in, she locked the door behind him. Right. Okay. Mm-hmm. So now Kwame is in a room with a stranger. He did not consent to be in that room, and he did not asked to be fucking yeah. locked in there and the whatever. stranger was trying to go to the bathroom so they didn't consent to be right. in the room with Kwame locked mm-hmm. or anything either yeah so she Arabella who is also we know a victim of rape a victim of sexual assault locks her friend who she actually loves and cares about takes yeah. away his agency and locks him in this room go ahead I'm sorry Kula, go ahead yes and in that moment I could see both sides it's kind of like when do you become a perpetrator or an accomplice because I could see Arabella you know thinking oh this is my friend this guy's cute I know he'll want to hook up with him let me set it up you know let me wing woman right. in a way um mm-hmm. and in wing yeah. woman without speaking to Kwame about it she puts him in a very dangerous situation mm-hmm. yeah and mm-hmm. I've thought of how many times I have presumptuously wing womaned for a friend without really Same. thinking of this might not even be what they want. I'm assuming what they want for themselves because yeah. I think I know them so well. Um, right. So that was a that was a new light of consent that really you know took me aback. I was like, oh, I gotta think about that for a minute. You know, mm-hmm. <laughs> what do I be doing? Nah. Yeah. What do yeah. I be doing? <laughs> <laughs> Let's all get tattoos. What do I be doing? <laughs> okay. What do I be doing? No, I feel what? you. 
that's the other thing that I liked about this series is that there was so much nuance and it did highlight that we have all, my assumption is that we have all perpetuated, perpetrated some type of assault, mm-hmm. right? Some type yeah. of assault. We may have also per- been an accomplice. Perpetrated, and- right. Perpetrated or been an accomplice to yeah. a sexual assault. You know what I'm mm-hmm. saying? So like really being able to explore those things. Cause I think that sometimes people get so caught up in being the perfect person or we talk about being the most woke person or whatever that you don't even want to talk about shit that you did in the past, mistakes that you made or whatever. Like It's like we can't talk about it. This, I think, is another reason why a lot of people get caught up. And we'll talk more about social media later, but why a lot of people get caught up on social media because the fear, if I go back and apologize to that person who I harmed, am I bringing it back to light? Am I like... Of course, I think there are times when sometimes you should just leave somebody the fuck alone, right? Like, mm-hmm. don't, if you don't have their contact information, leave them the fuck alone, right? But people that you know, y'all all on the same internet, y'all all kind of in community together in some way, you know that you harmed this person. And I feel like people want to forget the harm that they caused instead mm-hmm. of like acknowledging that, no, this is something that I did. I either didn't know I made a mistake I have learned from that or I did know and I was like acting on my ego or whatever the fuck like I feel like the desire not to be wrong and the discomfort of being wrong it keeps people from like holding themselves accountable mm-hmm. to things yeah. you know mm-hmm. so I don't know yeah. I don't remember no 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 there. that's valid so yeah let's get into friendship there are a lot of different friendships in the series, the most prominent, like we mentioned before, are the friendships between Arabella, Terry, and Kwame. There's also Arabella's roommate. I forget his name, but he's a nice white guy. It you know might be Brian, but I don't remember his name either. All right, let's call him Brian. So, <laughs> um, yeah, her roommate is a seemingly white, uh, seemingly white guy. He is a white guy. He's a seemingly nice, nice guy. guy. We don't know really if he is in fact a nice guy until the entire end of the series. He is being nice the whole time, but because we don't know who her assaulter is, because we don't know every episode, there is some sort of sexual assault and rape, and we don't get to know him that well. Yeah. So it's kind of like. I did feel like I was waiting throughout the series to, to see, like, see, is he a good is guy? He, uh-huh. Is he the, yeah, same. Yeah, but he is a good guy. Whew. So. <laughs> so far, so far. So far, so far. So far. <laughs> um, yeah, so they have a friendship that was really comfortable and I thought was cool. Mm-hmm. Any other friendships? The one who left her. What's his name? Simon. Oh, Simon, right. Yes, her and Simon were actual, like, friends. Yeah, mm-hmm. Her and Simon were actual friends and Simon ends up leaving her at the club and that's what... When she was drugs. Right. That leaves her open to the incident of sexual assault. Yeah. Arabella and Terry, who are a part of that kind of triad of friendship with Arabella, Terry, and Kwame. But Arabella and Terry have a close relationship. They've been friends since high school. And Arabella and Kwame, even though I don't think we know when or how they became friends but they also have their own um unique relationship i think he was also Mm -hmm. in i don't know if that was high school or middle school but i Mm -hmm. I feel like he was also there in that form in those formative years okay yeah i think that was a high school situation i think it felt like freshman year high school Mm -hmm. to me those are the vibes that i got yeah Yeah, it felt like a ninth grade situation that's how i felt that's how i felt Um, ninth year ninth year yes (laughs) you're right I thought that Arabella and Terry's friendship was unique in that I think that it is very rare, especially for people in their mid-30s, even though these yeah. these women were, I think, younger millennials. Mm-hmm. But 
I know for me, it's very rare to still have friends from high school, like close friends, like you're ride or die. You know what I'm saying? Like I had yeah. my friend, my best friend from high school. We were friends until maybe my late 20s. We were friends until then. Mm-hmm. And I feel like those kinds of friendships are so unique. Like you can't lose that friendship and then get it again. You know what I'm saying? Because y'all had y'all had yeah. y'all have jokes and inside shit from when you were actual children. Mm-hmm. Um, Kids, yeah. And so every friendship has its own kind of you know shit to it. And I think that those friendships are kind of irreplaceable. I was watching people talk about their moniker that had this thing um what were they saying your death is my death your life is your my birth, life your death is my death life, death no your birth is, is my birth yeah. your death there we go your birth is my birth your death is my death yes and i saw somebody talking about how that was kind of like unhealthy and like codependent but to me it sounds like some shit you say when you're in ninth grade mm-hmm. and if you're still friends with that person that's what it is <laughs> that's just what it is like a lot of those things you don't revisit and you don't say you know what girl we don't need to say that no more. <laughs> <should not> say <laughs> right. <laughs> right. You just kind of like go with it. And I think that, yes, maybe it was problematic, but there is still something really special, I think, about having an actual friend who knew you For since you long. was like, yeah. yeah, a younger person and having those kind of interwoven stories. But it also makes it interesting because we later learned that Simon, who was hanging out with Arabella the night that she was raped. Yes. Um, mm-hmm. Simon leaves her alone, but he before leaving her by herself, he called Terry to let her know. I, we don't know for sure the details of the call with Terry, but Terry basically was like, nah, it's cool. She does that. You know, you can leave her there. Leave it's her, fine yeah. kind of thing. And so yeah. Terry is, we don't realize this until later, but Terry is kind of carrying the guilt of that throughout the series. And when... Arabella finds out it's kind of hanging over the whole season until maybe the last two episodes. I'm not sure. It was the, you yeah. find out maybe the it, uh, episode 11. The second, second to last. last. Right, right. Second to last, yeah. Yeah, and in traditional television, that's when they're not friends no more. That's just yes. clear cut. Yeah. Like, it's like, okay, when Arabella finds that out, they're not going to be friends. But I thought that it was really nuanced and really real that Arabella recognized, yo, Terry has been taking care of me this whole time Mm -hmm. that I have been navigating my trauma and this is my friend and like friends make mistakes. You know what I'm saying? So she doesn't dismiss her. She's like, you know, thanks for being a friend to me this year. And so I thought that was like grown as hell. I was going to say, I actually liked how that was kind of intercut with her um, finding out about her mom and her mom's friend, auntie Mm. Nora or whoever, and that she didn't remember who this woman Uh was because of trauma. She kind of blocked that out, like Queen said. And then found out, like, Mm. that woman was sleeping with her dad and her mom knew and they're still friends. And she was like, I feel like there was a thought process there. Like, all right, if my mom could let go of something like that, I can let go of this and see how, you know, Terry has supported me and has been there for me. Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. I know for me, I processed them still being friends because I think that's something that they do. They leave each other because there's another scene mm-hmm. in a series where they're both like, um, I think they're on like Molly's or Coke and shit. They're all drunk as fuck. And Terry just leaves. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like Terry just leaves and it wasn't a thing. It wasn't like, I know for myself, if that happened to me, I'm going to be like, girl, you fucking left me. But there was no like, girl, you fucking left me. So it felt like 
now that I've seen the whole series, because when that happened, I was like, what the fuck? So I thought right. that would be a thing, because that's that would be a thing for me. But I think that they know how they party, and they know that, like, sometimes they go off and do things and, and stuff like that. So now I, now I understand why she could so casually say, oh, you should be good mm-hmm, to see her. Mm-hmm. Because I think that's what they do. They, I don't think that they see the leaving as, like, an abandonment. I think they just see it as an adult this is a grown ass right. woman and that's what they want to do. So I think that they allow each other that kind of agency yeah. in a way that I've never even thought about. Cause for me, it's like, no, you ain't going nowhere. Yeah. <laughs> the world is dangerous, but I couldn't, that's not something I could grasp. That's not how I navigate my friendships. Mm-hmm. Like we are protecting each other, but I, it does add to why I can see why there wasn't a fallout, why there wasn't like a blame. Why would you tell him to leave me? You know, on those kinds of things. I think that is, like you said, they've been friends since they were kids. Mm-hmm. That's a part of their friendship. It wasn't like this big fucking thing. Right. Like I would have assumed it would have been, you know? Mm-hmm. What did you think about, um, there's this period during Halloween where they're all dressed. Arabella, Terry, and Kwame, they're all dressed to party. They're doing, I think, uh, like a, a Halloween paint and sip or some shit like that or whatever. Yeah. But they're out for the night. They're having a good time. And I don't know how it comes up. But after his sexual assault, Kwame starts looking to date women. So we later learned that was his first time with a woman. So he meets this white woman on a dating app, goes on a date. It seems to be going really well. or what? I was like, is Kwame cute? <laughs> Like, is he, like I always <laughs> thought he was cute or whatever, but I was like, wait, is he hot? Like, do am I am I into this? <laughs> but not nah, Kwame is mad cute. Am, so am I desiring him? Right? Yeah, he do is. Do I yeah. want a piece of? Blood? I would. I would. Definitely. Um, no, he's yeah. hot. He's fucking hot. Yeah. So anyway, he goes on a date with this woman, and after they have sex, um, she had already been talking shit about black people, and then he she used um the f bomb. In talking about gay men and he's like well i'm gay and she gets like completely over it and i, I don't yes. want to say bent out of shape because that implies that she was wrong to be upset at that but uh-huh. she is offended and uh, i don't know if she kicks him out but is really disturbed by the fact that they went on this great date they had sex and he had not disclosed that he was gay and so arabella learns this information and then kind of starts shitting on him for that yeah. and being really accusatory. And in that moment, Terry flips it on her and she's like, you know, kind of like how when you locked Kwame in the room with that guy, like none of us, none of us are perfect or whatever. And let me also mm-hmm. just say the actor who plays Kwame, his name is Papa Esaidu, which I was uh, trying not to mess up before, but I may have messed up again. But that is an amazing actor. Yes. That, the range, the, 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 tears, the tears. like not, oh my not gosh. tearing, but like just that was staying a glory in his tear. eyeball like that. That was a Denzel glory tear. How do you keep the tears tear? in his eyeball like that? Like, <laughs> Yo. Get watery, but don't drip. Oh like, how this how? is an act. <laughs> That's one of them British actors that they be getting to come over here. Because they're like, you know what? We don't have one of those here. Okay? (laughs) I know that we do. But also, that is acting. Uh, yes and and oh, was frequently active. he was able to get misty eyed on on yes. in various scenes but i never yes. saw tears i was like all right i'm like what is this range <laughs> what is it what is it 
Yeah. That is an no. actor. That is an actor. A thespian. Okay? <laughs> Fucking amazing. <laughs> Fucking amazing. But oh, um but yeah, I liked again, this was another example of like the nuances of consent and like wokeness. You know what I'm saying? So yeah. like Arabella was feeling herself in this moment of like being self-righteous knowing right from wrong. This is after she called out another sexual assault or another rapist. Uh-huh. And she's like, no, this is who I am. This is, I'm on social media and everyone sees me as this righteous person. And Kwame, you are not a victim. You are like, essentially you are a bad person uh-huh. in this yeah, you know, situation. She got real self-righteous. So, incredibly, incredibly. But I like how this show continuously, for lack of a better word, just to use a lazy term, I guess kind of levels the playing field and that like, any one of us can be an abuser. Any one of us can engage in like inappropriate behavior, less yeah. than woke shit. You mm-hmm. know what I'm saying? That yep. there's nuances to all of this shit. Another dynamic within the friendship that I've, I found interesting, and it could be because Kwame was a man in the relationship yeah. and the friendship, the trio of them, that he was going through mad shit that they were just mm-hmm. not aware of. And it just made me think about how people be going through shit and you have no fucking idea. Like, he was struggling with a lot Mm -hmm. by himself. Yep. Also, alongside knowing that Arabella was going through what she was going through. So, like, you know that you could, Mm -hmm. I guess, openly maybe talk about these things amongst this friend group because you already have. But still, like, not. Which is, you know, his decision not to. But it was just like... Wow, the amount of stuff that this person is going through by themselves and mm-hmm. how oblivious and I don't I don't blame them for being oblivious. How how would you know? But just how you could just not know what's going on in your friends' lives at all. Right. And you could just think them being a little different. It's like, well, you know, they're just acting like a bitch. And it's like, no. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> your friend is going through something. So I yeah. I, I liked to see that nuance as well because they were not ignoring him they were not dismissing they just didn't know you know and sometimes right. you, you just don't know and like you, you could sometimes interpret your friends not being there for you not caring not whatever but sometimes they just really don't know you know mm-hmm. so i did i did like mm-hmm. seeing that like within yeah. the the friendship and the friend group and stuff like that mm-hmm. something that i've been trying to do and i think has been Something that I have learned from being in quarantine or whatever that maybe I wasn't terrible at before, but maybe didn't notice as much is like Mm -hmm. really asking your friends, like, how are you? Like, because I think sometimes we talk to each other every day and it's like, you know, whatever you assume conversation is always going. You assume that whatever you're going through, y'all are talking about it and you're telling each other Mm -hmm. whatever. But I think sometimes taking a moment and saying, regardless to whether you've been talking a a lot or not, saying, so how are you? You know what I'm saying? Like really checking in. Because, yeah, I could talk to somebody every day for weeks and not get into how I am if I don't really have to sometimes. So I think that's important. I agree. Yeah. All right. So let's get into a little bit of accountability. Okay. My ideas of accountability when it came to this show, I have a hard time ever really seeing accountability when it comes to sexual harm Mm -hmm. in these ways. Like you see that when Kwame, he wanted to report his rape, um, Mm -hmm. his sexual assault. And the way the police handled that was just Mm. horrible. You know, it was just bad. It was just like he was telling the officers 
that he met the person on an app. And it was like, what? What's this app? It was, and there was also a lot of homophobia in there, too. Mm-hmm. So it was like, yeah. so you're just on an app, like, looking for people? Like, you know, like, right. just like... So Kwame goes on a grinder date. We'll call yes. it grinder. I'm not certain what app it was on, but yeah. um, a grinder, goes on a grinder like date. App. Yeah. He is kind of dating or flirting with this guy. So he, he brings the other person with him on this date, which I've heard mm-hmm. is not uncommon for men to do. So brings him with him on this date. Goes to the guy's house and he's like, you know, if you want to do something with us, you can. You can. If you don't, you, don't, you can you just don't. watch. So the, the other guy is kind of there just watching until he gets comfortable and leaves. While he is there, though, Kwame and the grinder date engage in a consensual sexual experience. So they have sex consensually. When the other party leaves, the grinder date then forcefully rapes uh, Kwame. So it's not clear whether or not... There was penetration. There was penetration. There is a name. It was like a forceful grind kind of thing. Yeah. Um, But there's a name for that kind of rape that happens to Kwame. And when he can get the guy off of him and leave, then he does. Yeah. So that's what Queen is describing in this Um, I actually do think it was penetrative um, Mm -hmm. just because... When we go back to the beginning of it in the consensual aspect, the person wanted to have sex without a condom. And Kwame said, no, that's a hard no. Um, And -hmm. then following that, he tried again. And that's, you know, that's when the assault happened um, without Mm -hmm. the condom. That's true. When they are asking what happened to Kwame, they ask if there was penetration. He does say he's not sure. Um, but it, yeah. it could have been. It could have been because sexual assault and rape is fucking traumatic. You know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? Yeah. It can be traumatic. So it is possible that he was penetrated and did not, you know, didn't remember yeah, or was unsure, like you said. Mm-hmm. But yeah, so um, thanks for explaining what happened in the scene, Jay. But when he does finally, like, get the courage and, like, musters up whatever to go to the police station and report it, the way that it's handled is just really careless. He's, like, just in a random room where doors just left open and anyone is just entering the room and leaving the room, which is just, like, what? Mm -hmm. And there are signs up that say, lock, close the door, door. or this is a safe room, (laughs) or whatever the heck. Yeah. He is talking to another black man, which I thought was important. Mm Mm-hmm. In this dialogue, because I think that as black people, we're so used to being dismissed by everyone, but by white people in particular, that I thought it was important to highlight that sometimes you could be sitting across from somebody who looks just like you and is not sympathizing with what you're going through. Word, word. So, yeah, just seeing that and then when we see the way this is handled with Kwame, we had already seen how Arabelle interacted with the police when it came to her sexual assault. And it seemed more, I guess, in quotations on brand for what it's supposed to look like when you report a sexual assault right. and the questions they're supposed to ask. And they took mm-hmm. it very seriously. Had two detectives in the room at certain points mm-hmm. to get questions and we need DNA. It just seemed right on brand with what we see on Law and Order all the time when mm-hmm. it comes to that. But with Kwame, it was just like, uh, it was like he was complaining about like his stock cars being stolen or like right. a, a crime where it's like, maybe we'll find a perpetrator. I don't know. You know, mm-hmm. like not even, not a yeah. serious offense had happened. It was just, it was just discouraging to see. 
especially because that is a lot of people understanding of what it looks like when you do report a sexual crime is that no one takes you seriously and mm-hmm. you know stuff like that so with yeah, the added know. layer of being a black man of his size reporting of his an incident si- like ex- that exactly and i think with this conversation with the officer there was a lot of victim blaming in that so it was like right. it was a, it was a stranger you just met him that day it was just like mm-hmm. questions that have nothing to do with the investigation of someone who's saying that they were sexually harmed it was just like he I know Kwame just felt judged by the conversation, mm-hmm. you know, so that didn't go anywhere um, for Kwame. And especially, like I said, he was navigating a lot of that stuff alone. So you're navigating that shit alone. Then you go to the station and then it's like, nah, everyone's kind of just like, what? We don't, you know, so there was like no level of accountability there for anyone like the police. Mm-hmm they weren't even taking it seriously. So now that right. accountability of how this harm happened, whose fault for this harm happened, fell back on Kwame. And that's not how it's supposed to be when it comes to these offenses, like him holding all of that. And it seemed like, I don't remember, I only watched the episode once, but it seemed like they didn't even want to take, um, like swab him or take a sample because he's like, oh, well, you had consensual sex before, so it doesn't... It doesn't, When yeah. all of that really just depends on who you're in the room talking to because he yeah. could have said, yeah, we'll take it just in case and keep in mind that you had... Like, whatever, like... Yeah. If he had consensual assault with a fucking rapist, like, you should still have that DNA on hand. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Especially yeah. if this person is being accused of rape again, you know? Yeah. So there was that, and do you remember the scene back to where the when she was having sex with the guy who removed the condom and he was at some kind of literary forum or mm-hmm. s- yeah. some kind of writer's thing mm-hmm. and she basically in front of everyone just told everyone that he's a rapist that this is a person mm-hmm. who has you know done sexual harm to me like in front of everyone and kind of embarrasses him and shames him mm-hmm. and for me I not to say I enjoyed that scene but I liked her holding him accountable in that way, especially for it being a sexual offense that is a fuzzy one that that for a lot of people isn't that clear. But for her to like be like, no, I'm gonna hold him accountable in this way in front of everybody. I don't know. Mm -hmm. For me, that was like not empowering, but I just like I'm a person who likes to like he did it, like call him out, like because we know that the system doesn't believe women um and we know that the system makes it so that you have to prove that it's as it's as if the person who was a survivor of sexual harm has to prove they were harmed Uh instead of like proving the person is innocent you know what i mean Mm -hmm. you understand what i'm saying right yeah I think that it also helped that she was not his only victim yes. in that situation. Like, she spoke to other people who he had done that kind of thing to, and he mm-hmm. had a reputation for being that kind of person and doing that kind of thing. I did appreciate seeing the call out for that because I do think that's one of those things that, like, to me, that shit is not fuzzy. Like, yeah. that's not fuzzy. Yeah, it's not and fuzzy I think to me that, either. That actually, that form of kind of like assault is one of my triggers, I would say. Just Mm -hmm. this thing where like men think that they could just do whatever they want. Like, I'm just going to do whatever I want to you. Like, that's just what I'm going to do. It's going to be sneaky. I'm going to pretend I didn't know. I'm going to gaslight the fuck out of you. And like, why are you overreacting? It reminds me of 
content warning for a description of like sexual assault but like uh, i know a lot of women in new york myself included have been sexually assaulted on the train yeah and when you account well yeah that's happened to me i want to say at least twice but when you turn to that person and say like what are you doing or get off of me it's like oh well what do you mean where am i supposed to go or what or whatever it's rocking yeah, yeah and and no one does anything Uh you know what i'm saying that happened to me when i was like a a younger person like a teenager or in my early early 20s and like you end up looking crazy i told one of the adults in my life that that happened to me and they were like oh well you got to put your bag behind your back or whatever like what what i have to do instead of like i'm so sorry that that happened to you kind of thing but just like all of those things were like Men think that they can just, and, and again, we know that there are women who engage in sexual assault and are perpetrators and do these things. But I'm I'm just talking about my experiences yeah. are only with men. And I believe that it is men who are, because of the system of white supremacist patriarchal capitalism and the patriarchy, they are empowered to engage in sexual assault in ways that a lot of other people are not. You know what mm-hmm. I'm saying? And yeah. empowered and supported in their sexual assault. And so um, all of that that little like, oh, it's fuzzy when we all know it's not fucking fuzzy. Yeah. These niggas is just going to gaslight you to death or mm-hmm. whatever. It's like a high trigger for me and i really i did like seeing that like yeah call out of like this is what you did because he knew that he did something that was fucked up what he did not know is that we have a name for that shit now exactly niggas is talking about it now i like um libations to the receipts podcast in the uk who that's the podcast that she was listening to and she was like wait a minute they were talking about that kind of assault and she's like, wait a minute, yo. Like, what the fuck? Yeah, exactly. What the fuck? Because he did, he did all of those things. Make yeah. it seem like, oh, my God, I thought you knew. And da, 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 da. Mm-hmm. He knew that she did not know that that had happened or that that was happening or whatever. But, um, yeah, mess, mess. Was that it for accountability? Um, I don't know if that fits. But what? Uh, well, yeah, it kind of does fit that, that he was called out at that literary forum but his employer still works with him. Like he was still able to yes. put, he was still able to publish yes. that book, was recommended to use a name. The employer picked the name. And I was like, yeah. wait a minute. Like you were there. <laughs> and it, it speaks to cancel culture not actually being a thing, mm-hmm. unless you're a yeah. black woman. I've only really black seen woman. black women be successfully canceled. canceled. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, it's not like this thing. We are not really ending motherfuckers' lives because we're calling them out at literary forums. That motherfucker still was able to do what he needed to do. Yep. Still was able to get a book deal Damn and like money. do all of this mm-hmm. shit. So I do like seeing that because it does show that like it don't really they these motherfuckers can still live their lives mm-hmm. regardless right. of whatever. And that's a part of like the system supporting sexual assaulters, mm-hmm. supporting rapists. Because there are certain things that if he did, they would not work with him. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yes. There are things that are considered to be more heinous than abusing or raping or sexually assaulting a woman. Mm-hmm. You yeah. know? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So let's get a little bit into social media. Mm-hmm. I like the way that they used social media in this series. When we meet Arabella in that first episode, there are two different black women who approach her at different parts of the episode from mm-hmm. knowing her work on social media from yeah. knowing about her first book and she is 
one of those like social media popular people like everyone doesn't know her but this group of people who fucks with you like they know who you are and they know what you do or whatever so i thought that that was pretty cool yeah i thought that was cool because it's it's the world that we are living in like she could still be like anonymous or like be at a bar and still live her life and still have fun in these ways and then people can still right. kind of like poke in and be like oh my god let me work and people are like mm-hmm. who the fuck is this <laughs> <laughs> In those ways, I don't know, I always find those things pretty interesting. I do want to skip to later in the series where she, Jay, you mentioned this a little bit, where she's kind of becomes this like self-righteous. Right. So in this period that we talked about, after she outs this guy as a rapist publicly, because that was this thing that was, you know, being public, there was video of it mm-hmm. or whatever. She becomes really popular for that, like, viral video of exposing this person, right? Yes. And she was already popular. So this kind of just kind of catapults her social media following into whatever the next level of social media fame is. Yeah. And that episode, because um, it was a whole episode that kind of was following that her, the social media, the aspect, social media of aspect of mm-hmm. it. It was very interesting to watch because that's what I think of the general, I guess I'll, I don't want to call them a Twitter activist. That's not what I mean. I just can't think of something else. But that is how I imagine that their life is. The people who are just mm. always on activism-ish and not even mm. like just tweeting blue, like- blue check. Yeah, uh, yeah. Activists yeah, or, who are just like, right? do you ever just like say I'm drinking coffee? You know what I mean? Like there's just always mm-hmm. like some kind of like lesson, teaching them. This is what you need to know. This is what you need right. to know. We're going to dismantle this and let's mm-hmm. unpack that. You know those people who like do that a lot? Right. I always, that to me, that's what it looks like. The way that that whole episode, she was just walking around like, this is a time for me to preach or this is a time for me mm-hmm. to like say these things and she couldn't like, she couldn't turn it off. She couldn't mm-hmm. just like be Arabella. She was who social media needed her to be, and she wasn't herself anymore. Mm-hmm. I just like the way that they they visually whatever I had going on in my head when I thought about those blue check people. Usually, they did a like wonderful job of like, yep, this is exactly what she was thinking when you think about these people who are mm-hmm. like go hard like that on social media. I think right. that it also showed that it's really easy. To forget nuance when you're being that self-righteous, when all you're doing is just pointing out the wrongs in the world and you forget that you're a human and you have wrongs and there Mm. are nuance and you make mistakes. And I think that that's a test to what you said earlier, Jay, because I think people actually forget that they are humans and that they've lived these imperfect lives because they Mm. are humans. And I think they really forget that and they, they become... They become whoever social media says they are and they forget who they actually right. are as a whole person. And I, I really like how this episode was just kind of like, because we've known Arabella throughout the the show, but that episode was like, who the fuck is this? Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. And social media can have that like effect on you. Because yeah. Because it is, mm-hmm. if you are somebody who people fuck with, yes. right? On any level. It doesn't matter if you only have a certain amount of followers or whatever. If you have a core group of motherfuckers who fuck with whatever you do, yeah. like who no matter what you say, they're like, "Yeah, girl." Yeah, girl. You know what I'm saying? Like that <laughs> that could get to your head. Yeah. And we've seen that shit happen. Yes, we've we seen have. it. We've watched it happen. 
So I, I liked how they highlighted the effects of social media, what the effects can be if yes. you engage with, because I love social media. Like my phone too. is always, it's damn near like glued to my body. It's just an extension <laughs> of it. That's it. But I, I do have hand. to be really careful. It's my third hand, right? So mm-hmm. I do have to be really careful about like, how am I navigating this tool? There are certain things and certain apps that I don't have because I know that I don't have the mental fortitude to know who blocked me, to know, like, I don't want to know. Yeah, I can't. Yeah, I, I can't. I'm not the kind of person mentally strong enough to navigate that shit. So like there are just certain tools that I know other people who work on social media the way that we do. There are certain tools that other people use that I know mentally I can't use those tools. Like that's not for somebody like me. So I thought that that was really interesting. To the points that we were making earlier, I think that Arabella was like, right, she had to expose everything, Mm -hmm. every injustice she wanted to expose um, in this particular area specifically of rape and sexual assault. She wanted to like be that person because she was now seen as that person. So she was like, okay, well, let me feed into this. We're not saying that it's bad to be fucking like activist Twitter or blue check activists or whatever the fuck. Like there are people who get shit done that way. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. But like this particular brand of activism in which you know everything you are right you are the exposer you are the one who tells people who's the most woke who's the most in what we do in particular who's the most left who's the most activist who's the most hardcore i'm gonna curse out all your favorite legends like who's the (laughs) you know what i'm saying i don't care that they died fuck that nigga That nigga was a tool of the system. Like, yeah, like all of that. Yeah. And hey, listen, sometimes that shit is appropriate. It's just that's not my lane or whatever. Mm-hmm. But when you position yourself, oh, I, I fucking plugged the thing in and didn't plug it. I don't do <laughs> You didn't I plug the computer plug it in, but don't then plug it in. <laughs> oh, no, cool. Sometimes me and her be on Zoom and then it, I'm just by myself. I'm like, where did she go? She said, <laughs> computer died. I'm like, you know how laptops work. <laughs> All the time. It's so silly. It's so silly. Anyway, I'm too grown for this. Um, Yeah. When you position yourself as the person who knows everything, then you cannot then be challenged. It ends up being like, oh, when someone challenges me now, I either have to disappear or I have to recreate the narrative so that I'm not actually wrong. Right. I need to now appropriate all the woke language to tell you why actually you're the problem, Mm -hmm. to tell you why actually, you know what? I'm actually the victim. I'm not the perpetrator of this thing. You know, we've seen woke social media do that. And we have seen woke podcasts do that, who like have been accused of being wild harmful. And because every podcast episode they spend talking about how woke they are and how much nobody is really on it and y'all don't really know and blah, 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 blah. They now, instead of getting on the podcast, and being like yo my bad you know what i'm saying if no one is allowed to make mistakes you are also not allowed to make Uh mistakes so the framing then becomes this really even more toxic thing of actually i wasn't even wrong at all and here's all this Mm -mm, woke language about why i wasn't wrong and y'all are the real (laughs) problems and all this shit yo (laughs) i can't even but i thought it was interesting to see that and there are people who i really really fuck with on social media and i was looking i was like is that my friend like the way that she was perpetrating and like the way she was demonstrating this engagement with social media i was like oh my goodness and then it was like girl you i think it was it was halloween so i'm like girl enjoy your friend you are out with people halloween a dope costume on mm-hmm. and you are glued to your yes. phone not even experiencing what this day 
mm-hmm. is that you and your friends plan for each other. Like they planned a yeah. dope ass day, and she's on on what it's, I guess is like Instagram like app on Instagram Live, on like live, the fucking yeah. whole um, damn episode. Mm-hmm. I want to talk about social media as coping. Um, okay. And as I don't want to say inappropriate coping because I can't tell you how to cope, but um, uh-huh. as coping because this. This kind of tunnel and obsession into social media started maybe, let's say, three episodes before that, in which Terry was on mm-hmm. her self-care train. That's what they called it. And had her in, like, mm-hmm. yoga and Pilates and all this other shit. Yeah, and yeah. as she's trying to engage her, Arabella is just on her phone, screen yeah, to right. face. Like, they are out in a field mm-hmm. somewhere. I think they were painting Terry, Kwame, mm-hmm. and Arabella. And she's just skipping in the back. Phone to face at the doctor's office mm-hmm. phone to face you know that was totally me at the doctor's <laughs> saying give me one second i just need to enter this thing give me one second give me one second okay I'm ba- when she was like okay back in the room i was like that was this is a read this is Janice yeah <laughs> you know even to the day of halloween where they're like it's a no phone policy also a no vape mm-hmm. policy which i want to talk about that in coping um mm-hmm. And she cannot not document this. Like, she cannot be present because being present doesn't allow you to distract from what's, what has happened and forces you to face mm-hmm. where you are and why you're doing this. Right. And she cannot yeah. be present. You know, this her use of, co- of social media not only brought her validation um, as this now self-righteous sexual assault shiro, um, but it allowed her to... What's the word I'm looking for? Allowed her to kind of disassociate. Allowed her to break away from reality to to make it tolerable. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I feel you, and I do. Um, just to bring it back, to me, <laughs> I do. I do use social media for that, yo. It's, there's funny shit in my phone. I love my fucking phone. There's funny shit in there. You guys are in there. There's, there's fucking games in there. I'm totally a child. I got games on my phone. Mm-hmm. There are people who fuck with me and care about what I have to say on my phone. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, I love my fucking phone. And yeah, yeah. I'm on social media all the time. When I'm like, let me text Queen. I'd be like, let me see if she's awake. And I go on Twitter. <laughs> I'm here. <laughs> check Twitter and I'm see here. if she's awake before I text her. I'm like, okay, cool. She's awake. I can text her. But um, <laughs> as people who use it all the time and know that it can be bad for your health, I think that we have learned ways in which we can enjoy mm-hmm. it. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, we know what mm-hmm. to ignore. We know what to scroll past. We know who to block, all that stuff or whatever. And it, it is, especially for me, who one of my coping mechanisms is distraction. Mm-hmm. It is a distraction. And I do... Um, love that shit what did you say about vaping um because we also then start to see in the later episodes her kind of dependence on vaping like her and it she couldn't charge her vape and it became like a a thing like Mm -hmm. as well as the social media like the two of them were kind of highlighted was she trying to vape in her therapist's office yeah yes i think yeah her therapist kind of was like low-key like do you do you take a break like a break we, we all need breaks it's just put it down <laughs> i was like there we go there's a black therapist for you um also with social media here she is live this champion of all women against you know all assaulters which she had polarized as men because a lot of her discourse mm-hmm. was gendered yeah, and i right. think that that didn't take into a like she there was that nuance of well 
No, because Kwame's attacker was also a man. So it was just like, all right, all, all men are evil. Yeah. Um, but it was, <laughs> it was this very polarized, you know, men are the abusers and women are always the victim or the downtrodden and we have to stand up and we have to fight back. Um, but it, yeah. she's on this live talking about this. We know that that is the content. We know that that's, that's what she's kind of being known for. And then you see these still assaultive comments. Show me your titties. Yeah. You know, I was just, yes. you know, all of yes. these things like y'all know, y'all know what she's talking about. You know what she's been through. And here you are like, let me lick your Like whatever they were saying, it was just like these things yeah. being hurled at her. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. What do you think about coping? What do you think about like, how do you after something traumatic, like how do you cope in a way that does not further the harm that you already like experienced or like what are... How, like, what, how, I what do you suggest? What do you suggest for COVID? What do you do? What do you do? I think it really depends on what you are experiencing. So, the coping skills that I present people when working with them are to kind of numb the symptoms that they're working, they're going through, so that they have mm-hmm. the space and the capacity to talk about it and bring it into the okay. present and stay in the present without strong emotional distress. Um, and then be able to function without strong emotional distress outside of our sessions. Mm-hmm. A lot of trauma can live in the body and can come. It can come in the form of, so trauma comes in the form as we saw for Arabella in these like flashbacks immediately after Mm -hmm. the Mm -hmm. assault, you know, there was this pounding and this image that she couldn't get out of her head and didn't sleep Mm -hmm. for like two days, you know, um, which of course impairs our functioning. We are not a functioning person if we can't sleep. And she spent all that time YouTubing, trying to figure out what it was, thought it was a false image, then fell down a conspiracy hole. So it really is, you know, what is helpful to cope depends on what you're working through and what is going on for you and finding a way to quell that, to numb that so that you can function and you can be present. But body-based or somatic-based coping has found to be, quote unquote, the best. So like things that involve the body, yoga, stretching, dancing, Mm. Mm -hmm. things that involve the senses. So a lot of grounding techniques involve the senses, you know, what you see, what you hear, what you taste, what you feel, what you touch. Um, Those are the same thing. Feel and touch are the same thing. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Exercises that release tension out of the body, all of those really help. Because not only Mm -hmm. do they make you feel better and provide you an outlet out, but it also connects your body and your mind back together, which is really important. Okay. It's so funny because these are the things that my black auntie therapist tells me to do. And then I'm like, this therapy is not working. (laughs) (laughs) This therapy is broken. (laughs) Oh, gosh. Okay. All right, I'm gonna do something. With my- <laughs> Could you please do something, please. Do something. Right. You know, with the right. senses, it, even if it's just sitting down with a cup of tea, you know, sipping mm-hmm. on it and focusing on it. What does this warmth feel like on my tongue? What does this smell like? How does the heat of this cup feel in my hands? And really being present in the moment while you're enjoying this cup of tea. Yeah. This series explores sexuality as well. Queen, get us into that. Yeah, so we already talked about Kwame and dating the woman 
and becoming a daddy in um, Janice's eyes. <laughs> a daddy, yo. I was before I was like, this, what an adorable friend, yo. What a cutie pie. Then when he started flirting with that girl, I was like, is this, is this a daddy? <laughs> is, this, is, is this, what is going on here? Oh, gosh. I found it interesting. So Jay already explained what happened. She says the F word and he says that he's actually gay. That's offensive or mm-hmm. whatever. And she was incredibly, she was upset about it. I didn't take it in so much as this deceptive thing. And I think the reason why I didn't was because mm-hmm. I struggle with, not struggle with, but I struggle with media always showing queer people as these deceptive people, as if mm-hmm. we're sneaky, as if we're tricking people. Right. I'm a person who doesn't just have sex with men. I have sex with women, too. I don't tell every man I have sex with that I have sex with women as well. I don't tell mm-hmm. every woman I have sex with that I have sex with men as well because mm-hmm. I don't think that's information that I have to disclose. But watching this show and seeing this play out as deception just didn't really fits like i get it in a context of consent like i understood why arabella was like this is a messed up thing i understood the girl's anger but it was just like are we being deceptive by not disclosing our whole sexual orientation to our partners do you think that it matters that he said that he was gay and not bisexual for me it did not matter it was like Gay people also have sex with people of the opposite sex as well. You know right. what I mean? And mm-hmm. I think Don't that, I know it? No, I'm just <laughs> That happens all the time. Mm-hmm. And maybe because I have context to his life and him trying to figure it out. And he realized he, he is now afraid of men because of mm-hmm. his sexual assault. And that is why he's like, maybe let me date women. Like, I don't know. I just didn't see it as this horrible, deceptive thing that they played it out in that way on the show. Like, I didn't see it in that way, especially because we're always trying to say queer people are being deceptive. I think that um, there a lot behind her anger was that they had talked a lot before their date. Like, mm-hmm. there was a lot of okay. getting to know you. And I, I didn't, I hadn't seen that clearly, like, represented. But when he had went back to try to apologize, she was like, yo, we were talking for a minute and this never came up. So it's like, how mm-hmm. can I know about you I got your whole birth chart. You know, I know all of this, but this one mm-hmm. thing, you know, didn't come up. And that seemed very deceitful. Like you intentionally withheld that. I also think that mm-hmm. there is, and I feel like there is an emphasis on the fact that he said he was gay um, and not that he uh-huh. was bi um, oh, and yeah. that she mm-hmm. was the first female to that that he had slept with that he had sexual intercourse with so yeah i i understood wanting that disclosure if i was in her shoes Mm -hmm. i would want that kind of disclosure because it's like you and i've been talking for days before we even met and hooked up and Mm -hmm. you never once thought this was something that i should know even that even if it was i'm the first woman you're sleeping with that's also when we talk about men withholding things to have sex with women to do what they want to do mm-hmm. yeah because okay, yeah that makes sense you know that there's a chance if you tell me this we we won't we won't we won't be fucking mm-hmm. right that's why you're purposely right. withholding it mm-hmm. the other thing that i kind of like that michaela does is that like 
highlights that like there's no perfect victim or that there shouldn't be perfect victims necessarily right so like from the beginning uh michaela is a party girl simon's partner cat kind of refers to her and says you know she's a bit of a mess kind of thing or whatever Mm -hmm. right so to a lot of people michaela is not the perfect victim and there are uh, two times in this series where we see like this woman was this is a white woman yes. right so 53% even though this is in the UK if she could have voted for Trump she would have or whatever right so <laughs> I, I don't I don't care sorry there's a, 53, there's a 53% chance there's a 53% chance that she would have but either way there is some uh, you know someone looking to protect her because she's a tool of white supremacy but anyway anyhow anyway, I'm back I'm back in the room back in the room I think that she's white she had said something some, some like wild racist shit or yeah. whatever before mm-hmm. we see this happen she was sexualizing mm-hmm. him as a black man yes. because that's what she that's who she liked to fuck it yes. wasn't like i am more comfortable in relationships with black men because of however the fuck they're socialized no she likes to she fuck that black, mm-hmm. black men yes yes and it, it felt very like race play or whatever yeah so we don't like her I don't like that bitch, right? So black girls watching this show with good sense don't, don't like, like that her. bitch already. And then this kind of deceptive thing happens and it's like, okay, well, is it okay to deceive someone like her even though she's someone like her? You know what I'm saying? And yeah. even though this is still like a level of deception. So I thought that that was interesting. Yeah, I agree. I think that's how I felt. Like I didn't like her anyway. She was this racist mm-hmm. bitch. And because I am a person who doesn't always tell people everyone that I have sex with, um, especially if it's not something that I'm going to pursue like in this long-term relationship thing mm-hmm. i could kind of see the space he was at with that um because it's like do i have to tell you my sexual history to have sex with you do yeah. i have to do that as well you know like so mm-hmm. a lot of those things were like come going through in my mind with that but i do hear a cool like i do want to know if if we have been talking and we have been sharing things and we do understand that men withhold information on purpose all the time so that they can get mm-hmm. what they want. Yeah, that that is a form of deception. So Yeah. 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 It was interesting. To me it was it seemed like they had like a, built a good rapport. Like it seemed like okay, this is dating. It didn't seem like uh like a pickup per se. Um, it didn't seem like it was going in that direction until it went in that direction. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like mm-hmm. to me it seemed like they had been chatting and like building a potential thing. Um, but yeah, no, she was a wild, like, Klansman racist. Yes. Basically. Like, <laughs> so weird. Said the F word like that. Like, it was just nothing. I was like, woo. So fucking weird. <laughs> I'm like, okay, white women. White women <laughs> everywhere. That's how y'all do. <laughs> anyway, while we're talking about white women, I don't really know where this fits, but I do think it's important we talk about, there's an episode that, where the whole episode is basically a flashback of high school, right? Mm-hmm. So, or that ninth grade yeah. kind of season or whatever, right? So, Terry and Arabella are in high school. There's an incident with this white girl who meets her boyfriend in the stairwell or whatever. And they are having consensual either sex or consensual sexual experience of some kind. I don't remember if they were actually having penetrative sex or if uh, it was oral sex or. I think they were having penetrative sex. So that was consensual. But then he's also taking pictures of her and sharing them with people right so that without her consent once she realized this is happening and it's like yo what the fuck yo so she gets hip to that shit and then she's like you know what sure i will i'll sell you photos like whatever i'll sell you photos and then i'm also going to what did she steal his phone Mm -hmm. yeah so they were having penetrative sex in a classroom and 
He was yeah. trying to take photos and she found out and he also he told her that another person that she had engaged in some sort of sexual activity had also taken photos without her consent. So now it was like, mm-hmm. oh, okay. Um yeah, so she agrees right. to let him take photos if he pays her for it. Mm-hmm. Yes. You get the vibes that like she really likes this guy. She thinks that they're in like a thing. Yeah. And he kind of turns out to be or at least pr- say that he's kind of like just trying to fuck her kind mm-hmm, of situation mm-hmm. and that she should be like happy about that because she's not that hot rather with the kind of you know vibes or whatever mm-hmm. so she kind of like flips the script and in that moment i'm like all right cool like that's that's what you do you flip the script on them or whatever she then goes to the bathroom cuts herself goes back to class and is now bleeding and then when someone reports that, hey, this girl is bleeding and they ask her what happened, she says that that boy uh-huh. raped her. Yeah. That turns into like this fallout in the school. And then you have ninth grade black CSI. They crack the case <laughs> and they're like, yo, she was not raped. That's not what happened not at bad. all. Yeah. And it it turns kind of turns into this like black white thing yeah i don't know if it it turned into that or if that's that was in my head or if that's like really what it was it seemed like a school where um i don't remember because i didn't fucking watch the episode but it basically was you did you didn't all the black it. kids i didn't rewatch it thank yeah. you i watched it I re- you know I'm, I'm a rewatching ass bitch so i feel like i didn't even watch it at all but um yeah but it was like yo this white girl is not gonna get our boy on like Uh rape Mm -hmm. so i uh, appreciated the nuances of he actually did something fucked up and she was getting back at him for this fucked up thing that she did and Mm -hmm. then there's also the feelings of like nah you're not gonna fucking do this to our friend kind of thing or whatever so i thought all the different dynamics of that shit were really really interesting yeah i agree and then later on, she is the woman who is heading this sexual assault and rape support group that or survivors support group that uh, Arabella joins. What did y'all think about that? That was actually one of my triggers. Um, oh, okay. Yeah. So I don't know. It made me extremely uncomfortable knowing because um, her name is Theodora, mm-hmm. the woman who... Well, mm-hmm. she becomes the woman who is the leader of the survivor support group or whatever. We do learn from the flashback episode that her mom got her to lie on her dad and say that he was molesting her so that she can get full custody or, mm-hmm. you know, something like that or whatever. So it did make me uncomfortable to see a person who I know who has weaponized sexual assault these two right. times be the leader of uh, or leading a support group. I don't know. It just Mm -hmm. made me really uncomfortable knowing that people were trusting her or trusting this group to learn how to cope, to learn how to talk about, to learn how to, you know, whatever. And this is also a person who has weaponized sexual assault in these ways for, you know, their benefit and stuff like that. And I do understand that just as much as you're a survivor, you can just as much be a perpetrator. So I understand that nuance, but it still made me Mm -hmm. extremely uncomfortable knowing that this person has weaponized sexual assault twice Mm -hmm. within me knowing this person. So that kind of was just like, you know, who you going to trust? You can't trust none of these. (laughs) So that's what that triggered for me. Like what the fuck? Like even the spaces that could are created for you to maybe feel safe, mm-hmm. get safety, all of this stuff can be 
spaces where harmful people can be harm could may happen like gratefully no harm happened from that person throughout the series when arabella re-met them as an adult mm-hmm. but i well, was there really was, nervous there was a pe- there was potential harm there yeah there was, was potential, potential but like nothing happened but the whole time i'm just waiting for that bitch to do something well no because... it did it did she did do something so she invites arabella to work at this company that she's working for and she invites her there because she gets extra points for, for black yeah for black when people. right for, for getting black folks to join that whole thing so i was specifically talking about sexual harm so that's got why it. i was thinking that yeah got it okay but okay. it was just like I know that's the world I live in. And that's one thing that this show does a real good job doing. It's reminding me of the world I live Mm -hmm. in. Like, this is the world you live in. You are going to trust people. You are going to be in spaces with people who have been harmful. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. there's no escaping that shit. So I got the realness of it. But that shit triggered me and made me, like, really, really uncomfortable. But I do appreciate that nuance existing there. Because that's what it is, you know? Yeah, the other thing is that we don't know. So she is leading this group. We see these instances that happened when she was in her teens, right? Mm-hmm. And so we're we're here and have shared things that happened to us like throughout our lifetime. We don't know what sexual assault or yes. rape she's encountered between her high school time and here now as an adult leading the support group Mm -hmm. and as far as i know i'm I'm certain that she has encountered other acts of sexual assault Mm -hmm. it's just interesting and kind of reinforces the notion that like no one is a perfect person and here she is leading this group that other people find um Mm -hmm. helpful yeah you know what i'm saying Mm -hmm. so it's really it's really interesting akua you have anything to add about these white women Uh (laughs) 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 no (laughs) okay so romantic relationships are explored in this series. We open with Arabella in Italy with her kind of like, it's a vacation romance kind of thing, yeah. right? So it only exists in Italy. She's dating this Italian drug dealer. He is some kind of brown person. I usually do my Googles to see what kind of brown, but um, I didn't get that far. But he is some kind of, some variety of brown Italian person. Yeah. He's a mm-hmm. jerk. We learned that pretty quickly. Pretty quickly. And if you ever dated a jerk, which I know you have, <laughs> they have moments of being like wild romantical. So he's a jerk. And every now and then he might, he says something sweet that reminds her of something or makes her feel something <laughs> or whatever. And says, so they have this romance in Italy. Yeah. That relationship reminded me of people I date. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yep. Um, I was just like, oh, I could definitely have a boo in Italy, and we're only boos in when we're in Italy, and then mm-hmm. when I'm back in England, I'm living my own life over here. I yep. definitely have relationships like that. So in the beginning, I couldn't identify any red flags yet because I'm like, oh, I'll be doing that. <laughs> mm-hmm. That's all in my life. That's what um, I'll be doing. <laughs> Is that what I'll be doing? <laughs> Yep. Uh, he is weaved in and out of the show. Mm-hmm. And when he finally does know about her being drugged and raped was because she wanted to let him know that she told the officers because they needed DNA samples mm-hmm. because um, I guess something didn't match. No, they needed to rule out all consensual partners. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Thank you, Akua. Yes, that's what they needed to do. Thanks for mm-hmm. that. Look at you with the long research and shit. And, um, well, actually watching <laughs> Yeah, so that is when she told him. And this is like a far, like she probably would have never told her partner 
that this mm-hmm. happened to her. Like, she, if they didn't ask for she that. She didn't want to tell him. She, yeah, yeah, she, she wouldn't have told him. him. So when she told him, his reaction was just like, this is why she didn't want to tell him. And I think she knew that. First, it was like, why would you give them my name? Like, because obviously it's the police. He's a drug dealer. Why would you do that? Why would mm-hmm. you give him my name? It was nothing about her. He didn't ask her how she was doing. He didn't ask her how she was coping. He didn't even ask her when it happened. It was just like, why didn't you watch your drink? Why are you so stupid? Why are mm-hmm. you? It was just like so accusatory. And that, I can see that happening as well. When it, like, right. let's say if something like that happened to me, not, but I don't think my current boo would do that. Better mm-hmm. not. But, <laughs> I can I can see that. I can see yeah. for somehow just making myself believe I have this kind of connection with this person. In reality, I, I don't. Like, I feel like mm. she was more in a relationship with him than he was with her. Right. And that's the moment when it was like, like, well, I don't think it was a moment that she 100% understood that. So that happened. And then later on, she kind of just on a spur spur the moment type of thing goes to italy to surprise him and see him and he's like you would think she had a third head like yeah that was pretty wild um she's basically trying to recapture some of the vibes and the energy and feelings that she had before her sexual assault she doesn't tell him she's coming she shows up lets herself into his apartment and is sitting in there so when he gets home someone who he fucks when she's in town somebody who lives in a whole nother country who has the key to get in in his mm-hmm. home yeah so right so he's super duper freaked out he's nice to her while she's there but she goes downstairs to pick up a pizza and then he locks her out of the apartment yeah i think it was his suggestion to like Get pizza. He gives her the money to get the pizza. I think she or- she had ordered it already, and he gives her the money. Okay, thank you. And mm-hmm. she leaves. But I think a part of that giving her the money is because he knows. He's yeah, not gonna, not gonna her back in the yeah. house. Yeah, and she leaves. He should have gave her more mm-hmm. money. It's like, where was she gonna sleep? <laughs> oh, but he's a jerk. <laughs> yeah, I know. I'm like, nigga, right. you should have given her more money. But yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah, she goes. She comes back, and like you said, he locks her out, and she's like banging on the door, like begging for him to let her in and he's just like not letting her in and then eventually he opens the door and he, he has a gun and it's sad but that's when she finally like sees that whatever relationship she was with and with mm-hmm. him he was not mm-hmm. in that same relationship with her mm-hmm. and i was kind of like heartbroken for because i've been there i've had that happen to me it was like we were doing two different things like yeah two completely different things mm-hmm. like shit and of course He's even more of a jerk because of how he is handling the harm that she had dealt Mm -hmm. with. But yeah, that was just like shit. Like Mm -hmm. shit. I can definitely see her kind of clamoring for that romantic support and how that propelled all those impulsive moves. Because sis Mm -hmm. told Terry she wanted to go to Italy. And before she knew it, she was on a plane. And she was, I was like, is it even that close? Like, how do we move that quickly? Uh, (laughs) 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 Like, just. I think it is. I think it is mm-hmm. close. It is. Because in the beginning, she flies home and that same night, she is yes. out that night. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I think it is pretty close. It is. You, on a map, you see in, like Italy's like right there. Down there. Oh, I didn't go to a special <laughs> I don't know geography. Europe is mad small. People trying to act I'm like mad. Europe is big. Like Europe is small as shit. Like, it was That's right what there. they try to teach us. All right. So triggers. Queen, you mentioned earlier that Theodora's leading of that 
support group was triggering for you yeah. were there any other things that you felt were triggering in watching this trigger show <laughs> <laughs> so the episode i believe it was the fourth or third correct me if i'm wrong <laughs> where the uh, scene happened where the person that arabella consented to have sex to but then sex with but then he removed the condom mm-hmm. That was, wasn't that married with Kwame's sexual assault? It was like two of them happening at the same time. It was like, boom, boom, we're going to look at them. We're going to yes. look at them. We're going to look at them. We're going to look at them. That episode, I think because I saw two different situations where people consented. I was going to say, yeah, this is also the episode where we see um, Terry's threesome, which actually wasn't. Like an impromptu uh-huh. threesome. Yeah, this it was, was like some manipulation. Uh, like a setup. There. Yeah, yeah the men knew each other there. already and they had planned to um do this. Yeah. So um what triggered me was seeing these two assaults be very parallel. So we mm. see that they consented and then we see where the perpetrators don't care about the initial consent and do whatever the mm-hmm. fuck they want with them anyway. And just to see how casually what it, it casually happened for arabella it was more forced for kwame but to just just to basically have the same things of course the way that the harm was committed was different but to those very same ways of perpetrating that harm happening back to back and and montage in that way yeah. after that episode i was exhausted i was like i don't know if i could watch this i even went on social media and started asking people questions like are you triggered do you want to fight like what's going on mm-hmm. because that i don't know why it triggered me in that way but it was just like this is too much <laughs> it was just like mm-hmm. it was just a lot for me that episode i don't know it's because it was like two very similar situations so it was like a double punch or something like that that was the episode where I was mm. like, maybe I can't watch this show. The whole the whole show, of course, was brought up some things. <laughs> yeah. mm-hmm. um, I think I I had to ask myself if I could watch the show a bit before that that episode, mm. and I think that was like episode okay. four. I was just like, wait a minute now, you might <laughs> you might not have this <laughs> in you. You might yeah. have to let it go. I think what really got me was Arabella's flashbacks in the beginning. Like, they Mm -hmm. were just Mm -hmm. kind of bringing back my own, you know, kind of hearing that Mm -hmm. thumping and, like, how it really transports you to, like, to another place. Like, you close your eyes and boom, it was there. And I was like, "Mm, we gonna see. I don't know, but we gonna see. Um, And I think after every episode, I was just like, it's thought-provoking and it makes you question yourself and what you know about consent and about rape culture in life that you want to continue but I was like, you know, I have to really check in with myself and care for myself if I'm going to watch this. Like, I can't consume mm-hmm. this like all other media because you can't. It, it's it's too much to consume as, as I would any other show. The last episode as well was triggering for me, kind of going back through her realizing who the perpetrator was and that there were two of them and they were in tandem and then going through that scene mm-hmm. over and over again i was like yeah and it was also in this very like i think it's funny that it's called ego death because it was like in this very mm-hmm. acid trip kind of way um and i was mm-hmm. just like 
I I think I stopped in the middle of that that last episode and I was like, okay, I don't know if I'm going to see the end and we're going to figure it out. Right. <laughs> um, but then I, I gathered myself and watched it to the end and I can tell that it was triggering for me because I don't really remember what the end of that episode was. Oh, no. She got her book. She got her book. Okay. Okay. Um, but yeah, it's, it's, it's not as salient as the rest of the, the episode because it, it yeah. took a lot to kind of go through that, you know, and watching it, like even when in the last episode, they're like setting him up and it's like, will she go as far to be assaulted again to get him? Like it was a lot. It was a lot in that last episode. It was a lot in that last episode. It was a lot. And I was like, I'm, I'm, this is not the kind of smart that I am because I don't get it. <laughs> okay? I don't get it. I'm a brilliant person, but this episode, I don't get it. I've had a great time thus far. It, I don't have to get it, so it's cool. We're good. I'm cool. It's fine. I've been listening to a few people review it. They seem to get it. Cool. Great. I don't get it. It, it looked like she was going through all the possibilities of what could happen, different, Mm -hmm. you know, things in her head of what she might do or what she might want to do or not want to do or whatever if she came across her perpetrator. So I get that. But some of what was actually happening, I was like, why is Mm -hmm. this happening? Yeah, I was like, why why am I here? And like I said earlier, I did not want to keep seeing her perpetrator's face over and over. Yeah. And I think what threw me was because we knew it was a a white man. Right. But seeing that black man accomplice, I was like, oh, damn. Like, uh, and in the very first enactment of what she would do, you see him, like, transporting her through town mm-hmm. and no one saying anything. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, like, I think, and I'm, I've been trying to connect it when she was at first stumbling out of the first club that they were all in. I'm assuming Simon had already left her with these people. Yeah. Because... I would then assume if I if you see her trying to go for the door and stumbling, you as her friend would be like, hold up, let me get my yeah. friend. Yeah, he had already dipped. When I saw her stumbling, I was like, oh, I know what time of night this is. I've been there. Not not stumbling like that, but I was like, you could tell what time of like where in the party this was at. It seemed like, yeah, Simon and, and his party, he took his party elsewhere. She's still there because they were all partying with the assailant. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. So they were all they had met yep. him there at the bar and they were all partying together. Yeah. And Simon definitely left her with them. But yeah, yo, I was thinking that, too. Like, why wouldn't one of them help her out? But yeah, they was gone. They yeah. had to be gone. gone. And seeing how many people were complicit in that, you know, the taxi driver, yeah. they paid at the door. Mm-hmm. It was, yeah. it was a lot. And that's, that's, that's how it goes down, yo. That's exactly how it fucking goes down. Yeah. I've been in situations, not necessarily speaking of sexual assault, but just remembering all the motherfuckers that was around who could have stopped whatever abuse was happening, but their comfort and their friendship with the abuser was more important than making sure that something harmful didn't happen to somebody else. Yep. You know what I'm mm-hmm. saying? So that was whack i think for me um and i wouldn't call this a trigger but something that i i did think about frequently was all those motherfuckers who just you know watch shit happen or are accomplices Mm -hmm. in the shits because there's so many accomplices yeah we know them like if a man you know went to college he's an accomplice to somebody's rape it's just that's just what it'd be of a certain age i would say definitely i can't always speak for the youth then but like (laughs) If it's like a nigga my age, oh, you went to school? Okay, so who did you help get raped? (laughs) You know what I'm saying? So I think that, 
Um, so real quick, just content warning for discussions of uh, my rape a little bit. I have not always identified myself as a survivor of rape, partially because I forget that it happened. It was not particularly violent. And a part of how I viewed it for many years was that it was a one night stand. Right. But I was mm-hmm. too drunk to consent. The assailant was not. It's not like we were both drunk and having like drunken sex or whatever. I was not blacked out, but I was too drunk to consent. And there were so many things about that evening that I have, because I am a funny person and fine humor and everything that I have decided were comical, that Mm -hmm. I forget that that happened. And because I've decided all these things are funny, it's not like this thing that happened to me or whatever, right? Um, So I have remembered that that thing happened to me once before years ago and then as i was watching like episode five i was like wait was i raped you know it's like after you're watching all of these things you start remembering like the shit that happened to you and it's like oh right 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 okay okay that 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 did happen but i also think that that's important you know what i'm saying Mm -hmm. because i have a platform where we talk about all kind of shit all the time and i think i have said on here that i have not been raped which is not true you know what i'm saying Mm -hmm. and so i think that while that was it triggered that thought. I think that it was important that shit like that, like be triggered and things like that um, come up. If you're someone who feels that you can watch the show and that you're comfortable with that kind of like potential trigger or whatever. But um, yeah, I think the show is important, but it did trigger me to remember things that I don't usually remember, you know? Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think it definitely made me revisit and question some sexual experiences I had and, and and really think to myself, do I, not as objective definition, but do I personally see this as assault? Is that the way, is, is that the narrative that I carry around it? Mm-hmm. And there were some instances where that was like, yeah, but we're not going to open that box. And then right. there were some instances where it was like, no, no, that was all right. You know? <laughs> yeah. um, and I don't want to say that was all right because those actions probably are harmful to somebody else are, are very harmful. But for me, it was like, all right, it doesn't carry that for me. So I won't, I won't now with new definitions or anything, put that weight on it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I yeah, would say definitely. another thing that it triggered me, not nothing, no particular scenes, but I guess not triggered, but it made me reflect and, and look at myself is how have I caused harm and what mm-hmm. ways have I contributed to harm? I in relationships can be, I'm a manipulative person you know so Mm -hmm. just looking at these things play out and it's made me think about how i have been harmful how i have contributed to this system of harm sexual harm and stuff like that and just kind of just re-examine how i engage what i think is fine what i think is not fine now a lot of that stuff um just seeing that nuance was really, really revealing for me and helpful for me and not being a person who, you know, I'm not perfect. I will probably harm someone again because I'm not perfect. But now I have, like, I guess a better lens or a better idea of holding myself accountable for how I contribute to harm for, you know, people and the people I engage and stuff like that. Because I'm just looking and I'm like, "Mm, I would have did that. Or (laughs) I would have said something like that. Or I would have, I probably would have locked Kwame in a room. You know, like just stuff Mm -hmm. like that where I'm just like, oh no, (laughs) you Mm -hmm. can't be doing that. Mm -hmm. 
So yeah. that is something that I, I I walked away with that was like really, really valuable. Just looking at myself and, and examining the harm I have caused in the past and how I can prevent possible harm in the future and present and shit like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I loved it. I loved yeah, it. Yeah, it was a really I good the show. Whole thing. And she wrapped it up so well that that could be the only season. And yeah, yeah, it'll no, it's, be okay. It's perfect. Yeah, mm-hmm. it was I kind of hope that it is the only season. Same, son. <laughs> like, just do something else. I actually else, agree yo. with you, Akua. I don't know if I could go through all of this. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't. I can't. It, again, it was quite refreshing to see. You know, rape culture brought into a light, sexual assault brought into a light that's every day because it is every day. But um, mm-hmm. I can't have it thrown in my face every day. Like, that's, it's a lot. Yeah, yeah it is a lot. <laughs> it is a mm-hmm. lot. Mm-hmm. No, it was definitely a fucking lot. And I think something else that kind of made me really sad. So, content warning for a sad story about Michaela Cole. So, and her experience with sexual assault. This story is based on her sexual assault. That is what happened. She was drugged. She was working on chewing gum when that happened. It's like the same scenario. She was somewhere working on it. She left for a while to like go hang out. She was drugged. And then when she came to, she was back working on her script. You know, Mm -hmm. that happened during season two of Chewing Gum. Mm -hmm. And so for me, this thing that like I really love and I really like or whatever and was wondering, oh, is are we going to get a season three? Like, is that going to happen again or whatever? It just kind of made me feel like, why would she, if she can create other things now, like why would she go back to doing this thing that was a part of this period yeah. where she was attacked? She turned this into something to really educate people, mm-hmm. you know, on like the nuances of, of this shit. Like we still talk to grown butt people who don't know what the fuck consent means yes, or like, yes. or pretend they don't fucking know or understand the nuances or victim blame or blame themselves or whatever. So like, I thought it was really excellent the way that she provided this tool of education that is also like wild entertaining yeah. and has funny moments mm-hmm. and it's not like beating us down about it, yep. you know? Mm-hmm. Agree. Anything else we want to say about this series? The series, the series, the series. No, I don't have anything. You have anything, Akua? No, I think we've covered it. We all fucking right. did so it. So we yo. did a show. We did a motherfucking <laughs> did show, a motherfucking yo. Thank show. you all for indulging us and for coming on this journey with us as we explore sexual assault. We appreciate you for sharing in this yeah. conversation with us. Mm-hmm. Um, make sure that you take care of yourself after listening to this. If there were things that triggered you or made you uncomfortable or have you thinking now about some shit or whatever make sure that you take time to recenter yourself ground yourself drink some motherfucking water treat yourself with care like something happened to you today you know what i'm saying so like treat yourself with um with care do you approve of that message Akua? oh yeah i was gonna ask you know do we want to get into specific ways people can care for themselves i would love that yes Um, because sometimes we say that but they would be doing it if they knew how, you know, yes. we kind of look around like, I know I should be doing something, but I don't know mm-hmm. what. Um, so and after listening to this lovely curated discussion that we've just had, or even after watching the show, um, and if it brings up things for you, if you have access to a therapist or access to mental health, services i would say you know setting up a a meeting or reaching out one thing i loved about the show is that they gave uh curated resources after each and every episode they're like you can go to this website and on that website is just a list of places numbers you can call 
So that is an option. One thing that is great, especially because we've talked and dug this up, is sitting down, if something's still sitting with you, journaling about it. Mm -hmm. So sitting down and writing it out, whether it's your own experience, whether it's just thoughts about something you have done to hurt someone else. If there are feelings within you, we don't want to sit within them. We want to get it out. And it's one best way to get it out is talking to somebody else. But if that's not a recourse, writing it out is another way or something I love to do. I don't know why, because I feel speaking is very cathartic. Uh, mm-hmm. Voice note it to yourself. Hit record mm-hmm. and just start talking mm-hmm. and letting it out. And then if you choose so, you can play it back or you can leave that where it is. As well as, again, body movement. So get a song, get a playlist, start to twerk, move your body, stretch your body, release that tension. Because as we sit and we talk about these things that are triggering, it comes out through our bodies. You know, it is shown in muscle tension Mm -hmm. and headaches and fast heart rate and whatnot. So move your body, stretch your body, remind yourself that you are within your body. If you need to get out of your house and go outside, walk. It can also just be mindless walking, but of course, make sure you're aware of your surroundings and you're not going to a new neighborhood that you ain't never been to. Mm-hmm. Um, but going outside, feel the wind on your skin, have some sun on your face and walk. Something about being outside, I don't have the science behind it, but really, really helps in our mood. Mm-hmm. It, it might does. be that contact with the sun. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Um, but go out to walk or even call a friend and say, hey, you know, I just listened to this. Whether they can hold space for you or if you just need some other, you know, non-heavy contact and conversation. Hey, how are you doing? Mm-hmm. You know, pizza, whatever, you know, whatever it is, whether you want to unload and they have the space for that, or if you just need other content to like wash this down and to rinse your mouth with, that's also helpful. Thanks for that, Akua. I love it. Thank you so much for yeah, that, Akua. We helpful. appreciate you. And thank you no for word. sharing this time with us, yo. Thank you. Thank and for you. lending your expertise. Word. <laughs> Thank, Thank you. So you. Much, we have the range because we had no tools. We was like, take care of yourself. No. Bye. <laughs> <laughs> Good luck with that. <laughs> yeah. So thank you. Akua, tell us where we can find you and what you be doing. Um, what do I be doing? Uh, <laughs> mm-hmm. You guys can find me on Instagram at Hey Akua Girl. Um, as I was introduced, I am one fourth of the Inho Uprising, so you can find me talking about more sexual things with my homies. Um, and that's at Inho Uprising on all the places. Yeah. Yes, we will have all Fantastic. of that stuff in the show notes as well. Definitely, you just want to like click a button and get to um Inho Uprising or Akua. That's right. Be sure to follow us on the social medias. We are on Instagram and Twitter at T with QJ. Follow us there. We are also on Facebook and Tumblr. Yes, Tumblr. That still exists. Search for us there and follow us there as well. We love when you send us T-mail, T with Queen and J at gmail.com. Um, you know, hop in our inbox. We do love that. Visit our website, T with Queen and that is also where you can, you know, send some donations, put some money in a bag and all of that shit as well. You can follow me on my personal social media. I am at the Queen Speaks with an underscore on Instagram and Twitter. And Jay, who are you on the website? I am at Janicia F on Instagram and Twitter. J-A-N-I-C-I-A-F. I'm rolling my eyes. Savings, but <laughs> I needed to hear. I was waiting. <laughs> That's hashtags. I didn't think of one. Our uh, hashtag. I would say me too. Yes, uh-huh. you're right. Hashtag me too. Yeah, because me too, nigga. I have forgot though, but 
Hashtag me too, but I have forgot though. Hashtag me too, but I have forgot though. So here we go. All right, we fucking did it. This podcast was created, hosted, and produced by a black girl named Janicia and a black girl named Naima. T with Queen and Jay, we turn up responsibly. And it's hard to stop it when it starts off so small. Steve's like that. Remember all aggressors. Bob, Bob, sorry. I took Bob aside. I said, can you stop? Barely finished speaking before he's looking all horrified, saying he'll never talk to me again because it's safer. Looking at me like I'm crazy. Well, Bob probably does think you're crazy. He thinks this is all a little uncalled for and this personal space thing is all going a bit too far. And he's very confident in his view because he's gone exploring to see for himself what boundaries and violations these women might be banging on about because Bob's thorough. And on his explorations, Bob found the line that separated him from everything else. Rather than crossing it, he tiptoed on it. And he experienced this feeling of being on the boundary, on the border, right on the line of being neither in one place or another. And saw how in this gray area, when nothing was quite clear, no one could be clear. We can't articulate, we fuddle our words. We couldn't pinpoint exactly what it was he did that we felt was so wrong. So yeah, Bob thinks you're crazy. Yeah, he thinks he's the smartest man in the room who knoweth all things because Bob has observed the detail. We have to start observing Bob. Telling him. We do see the detail. We see you, Bob. And if we see you, it means we are right there with you, tiptoeing in line right behind you. And in that place, where rules, clarity, law, and separation cease to exist, we will show you exactly what we mean by violation.